Welcome to A for No, B for Yes. Welcome back, everyone, to A for No, B for Yes, the Zelda-themed podcast that's doing a deep dive of Ocarina of Time. Last week, we were in the Shadow Temple and the bottom of the well preceding that, and this week, we're going into the desert, to the Gerudo Valley, and the Spirit Temple. And my co-hosts here today with me, Cameron Hagee, are... I'm Ryan Fonzie. And you got Tony D here. Tony D. (laughs) Okay. I feel like your name changes a little bit every week. It does, it does. I was Carmen San Diego last week, so you know. Yes, you were. I think it was two weeks ago. Last week, we defeated Bongo Bongo in the Shadow Temple, and now we're heading off into the desert near Lake Hylia in Hyrule Field. So, so last week we came in and we just talked, or not last week, but I know we did that episode where we did the big Goron sword quest and we just came over here, talked to the main carpenter to do a trade, um, but we didn't really go into the fortress um, and so this will be our first time actually entering the Gerudo Fortress area. Um, yeah, it's a, I'm not gonna lie, it boasts one of the best soundtracks of any mm-hmm. <laughs> part of this game, but like, but only during the daytime. So if you come here and it's night, switch it up. Like use you that sun song. <laughs> yeah, use the sun song. But, um, this place is fantastic. Um, it, <laughs> It is fantastic. It also has some issues, and we'll we'll get a little bit into that, but not very far into that. Um, I, what I'll say is like there's some immediate influences that are like that are pretty standout, um, like the the infrastructure of the actual fortress itself. Like they call it like the maze area, but it's um it appears to be based off of like adobe housing. Like it's got this really cool blocky design. It's um. You know, it's a big network of like different things. It's it's what would you call it? like a complex almost of these these interwoven buildings. Um, it's something similar. If you looked up like Adobe housing of the Pueblo Native Americans, you would see something that looks just like this. And it's um, you know you got the the Spanish uh, music going on in the background, and uh, you see a bunch of um, what appear to be militant. <laughs> Um, militant belly dancers, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. They all have like sword ended spears. They're dressed very lightly because they're in the desert. They have like masks over their mouth, presumably to keep the sand out. Um, and if they catch you, they'll immediately throw you in jail. <laughs> yup. I'm pretty sure the weapon that they actually use is classically a naginata, um, or a variant of a naginata, which would be like a glaive. Yeah. Which they never end up using. No. <laughs> no, no, they don't. Because you do actually fight at least one of the, like when, like I, I was mentioning the construction worker before, like the, the foreman's out front because he wants to get that bridge fixed. Um, there's some kind of story about how the Gerudo broke the bridge. Um, it doesn't explain why. Doesn't, nowhere in the text of the game does it say why they broke the bridge, but they did. Um, when you were a kid, they actually guard the bridge like they they stand on it with a with a big fence that they have built there um just to keep everybody out maybe they got sick of guarding it and they're just like you know what nobody ever comes in and out <laughs> we should just cut it um it was like, ganon yeah you think ganon broke the bridge himself maybe he wanted to prevent information from the his tribe leaking 
Yeah. Because there are people in there that think he's evil and know he's evil that we'll be meeting later on. He wanted to trap everyone. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's really weird to think about. Because, like, Ganondorf never loses the title of being the king of the thieves. Or the king of thieves, rather. Um, and but I mean by that, he's always the Gerudo king. Like, he doesn't he doesn't go by king of thieves anymore. Like, when he's, you know, further on in his, in his exploits of Hyrule. But, um, but... He doesn't really ever come back here, it seems. Um, and he doesn't exactly invite the Gerudo to come live in Hyrule or anything either. So they still stay isolated over here in the desert in their fortress. Um, yep. Yeah. It's a little bit a little bit odd. But we're here to, to rescue the four children. Or the four workers <laughs> of the, the foreman. <laughs> well, they're kind of like children. I mean, they act in... They act like children, so they do act like children. They they are, um they've always given off the hint. Well, the one of them gave off the hint that he he wants an easy life, and he thinks that thieving is gonna be is gonna be the ticket. So they all come here hoping to join this all female tribe, and um they end up getting captured instead. So <laughs> um there's not really an explanation for why four men think they can join an all female tribe. Um, they are all kind of childish in their thinking a little bit. Like, it doesn't seem like they had an explanation for that prepared either. Um, and they came and because they were men, they all got imprisoned instead. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's the best way to break someone out of prison, right? Fighting the leader of the whole enemy. Camp? Well, I was going to say getting thrown in prison yourself, but you know, break <laughs> out from the inside out. Trial by combat. Yep. No, um, which is actually what you end up doing, but yeah, so you get thrown <laughs> into prison and you can <laughs> escape with your trusty hookshot because luckily there's a wooden, a, a wooden like awning <laughs> over one of the windows to the prison cell that's like they yeah. thought would be too high up, but you know, being that it's made of wood, it's perfect for your hookshot, so you can make a daring escape. Um, and w- once you get out, there's actually a little pathway that you can jump to only from this window, and then that'll take you up to the top, like above the uh, the cage, and you can hookshot over to a large chest and get a heart piece. Nice. Yeah. It's the jail heart piece. Pretty much. <laughs> I just thought while you were talking about the jail, it was a good time to mention that one. Yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, if you... um, So, yeah, so, some more details about this place, I guess. Like, there's some... There's a there's a big pot in one of the rooms where they're cooking some soup. Yep, and there's a table with some pots on it. Yeah, if you jump onto the table with the soup, uh, Link will take damage unless you're wearing the Goron tunic, because <laughs> apparently oh. you can stand the heat of the of the stove if that's, you're wearing your funny. red tunic. Amazing. Stay in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, um, Link could cook himself and be fine. Right. Um, but yeah, like mostly what you're going to end up doing here is either shooting or sneaking up or sneaking around uh, a bunch of guards to uh, try to get to each of these uh, four construction workers. And it is it is kind of a maze if you don't know the layout. Um, so it can take yeah. longer than you think. You can end up doubling back when you really didn't want to. Um, it just kind of adds to the confusion. But as long as you got that good soundtrack, it's really yeah. okay. <laughs> It's all you need to keep pumping you through that place. It's actually one of the better stealth missions in the Legend of Zelda series. Is is this one? It's actually done right. Just try your best to remember which door goes where, so you know where you need to get to. I want to say this doesn't like necessarily correlate between the two, but I do want to say that 
I just want to hope. I want to have some hope that this specific mission where you're sneaking in this compound freeing people or, you know, like going through all the hallways and shooting the guards with your bow was inspiration for at least Splinter Cell missions or uh, Metal Gear Solid missions. Uh, <laughs> I just want to hope. <laughs> that would be amazing. Seven Nightfire inspired by Ocarina of Time. Exactly. Not so sure that that was quite because <laughs> it did predated all those games and like, but it didn't it, predate the movies though. Like, <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't mean James Bond. I meant Metagross Solid or Tom Clancy. But yeah, so we get to we get to the prison rooms, right? Each one of these prison rooms that we get to with the carpenters inside. You know, there's no way to free them. We're we're like, what? How do we actually like bust them out of here and? Lo and behold, in different type of Garadu that we've never seen before, we'll jump down from the rafters, and it's a Garadu thief, souped up with two smitars, ready to kill Link any moment. Is that They're how you say that? Smitar? I always said like scimitar or skimitar. I think not skimitar. I think I say scimitar. Skimitar is like... I don't know if I'm saying it right, but... The Goron sword shreds this lady like butter. Yeah. All I did was stab at her every time. If she blocks, like you eventually get a hit on like the third one. And if she jumps around you, you just wait a second and then keep doing it. She only hit me once out of all the fights. I just obliterated her. With the range and speed of the Goron sword, like every time that she goes to attack, you can pretty much just interrupt it. It's so Um, good. Yeah. I mean, you could do the same thing with like basically Shadow Link revisited. You just you just spam away mm-hmm. and you can wear her down that way. True. They're honestly like souped up Stealthos is is literally what they are. <laughs> yeah, and you know the funny thing is you said you only got hit once. I mean once sometimes is all it takes, depending on what move she uses. Um mm-hmm. because she has this crazy spin attack that sometimes like if it's the only damage you've taken, it doesn't matter. You just end up in jail. Um, yeah. she, she has some line like, uh, don't take us so lightly or something like that. And then, you know, you end up getting thrown in. She breaks it. through your shield with that too. If you're, if you're blocking, so don't block that. Oh, snap. I didn't know that. Yeah. I always, I always kind of sidestep stuff now <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. since, since using the, the big Goron sword sidestepping has become like part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah. And then, like, I think it's the second carpenter. I'm pretty sure it's the second carpenter. He said something that just irked me the wrong way. So you free him, right? Because you get a small key from each one of the Garadu thieves that drop. And you go in there, and he goes, Oh, you're a cute kid, aren't you? And I was just like, Whoa. Whoa, hold on here, buddy boy. What do you mean I'm a cute kid? Like, are are you just, like, saying that I'm cute because, like, you're old? Or is it, like, a different type of thing going on here? Yeah, because yeah. I mean you're 17 at this point. Like you're not a kid. S- uh, some some people still yeah. I mean some people don't call you like the whole kid versus man thing is still going on. So it does seem weird that someone would call you a cute kid, but I don't know. I mean that's we're gonna find that in this section of the game. We get a lot of that in this instance. I didn't think twice about it. I was like, okay, this guy's just being demeaning. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. Um. But yeah, they they all seem to know how many how many of them are left, um, and what's kind of weird about this whole thing is that they're all named, 
based on the order that you save them. Um, so from my understanding of this, their names roughly translate to first son, second son, third son, and fourth son um, in Japanese. Um, and I don't know what the thought behind that was. Like, I don't know if it was supposed to point out that they act like children. Um, I mean, they have some, some goofy looking runs when they, when they leave. Yeah, um, they do some skits. So, yeah, they do. It's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I haven't thought about it too much, but it's um, it is. It, I thought it was funny that basically Link is partaking in the naming of these four characters. Um, I mean, I think uh, if you have one of like the the high high the Hyrule Historia books or something like it, they actually put pictures to each name, so there's an official list. But um, but based on your playthrough, like you'll you'll determine what order they go in because the dialogue is based. Like it's like four iterations of the same dialogue bank, I guess. And so whichever ones you, you, however you unlock them, like that's just how they, like that's how it determines the order of information you're going to get and their names are attached to that. So it's kind of funny. I also, there's an Easter egg in this where I don't know if it, I think they changed it for future versions because people were annoyed with this, but um, in the last fight um, against this, like, I don't know what you'd call her, a Gerudo captain. Yeah, captain. Yeah. Um, she uh, she'll actually wear clothing that's the same color as Link's. Um, even if you like mess up like the color, like there's there's there were glitches and stuff you could exploit to like mess up Link's color scheme, and it would still match. So it's just drawing from the same I- I- integers, I guess. Um, which was kind of cool. Like I've seen videos of people really messing with it and like just trying to make different colors happen and it working out. Um, but by the time you, you get through these four, like this person that you've been fighting clearly becomes a fan of Link. <laughs> um, to the point where they're wearing his, his team colors apparently. Uh, mm-hmm. and she'll basically say like, oh, like basically she'll, she'll compliment your skill in battle. Um, kind of say, oh, you must want to be one of us. And she'll actually give you a membership card to the Gerudo. I guess to the tribe. I don't know. It's, it's not really explained. Like it allows you to get in and out of the fortress. So maybe it's just like a desert membership, <laughs> but it really plays like when you read it, it really seems like they're like, Oh yeah, you can be one of us now. Yeah. So now Which Link is, is part what of the, the guys hall. literally wanted. This is like welcome to the tribe or something. Yeah. It is what the guys literally wanted, but they didn't, they weren't fighters. So they weren't going to be able to earn that. Um, yeah, it's just um it's just really weird. Like they have this whole culture with all of these rules and stuff that they don't even share with you until later. Um it seems like you can just kind of skill your way in. Um I don't know. It's it's a little bit strange. You are deemed worthy. <laughs> you can do the Gerudo training now, you can do horseback archery now. Um if you do the horseback archery, yeah. you get yourself a heart container. We we just friends, you know. And a big quiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't do stuff. it. <laughs> Did you get well, I know you didn't do it, Cameron. Did you do the training grounds this run, Ryan? Um Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean Yeah. I, I've had a couple runs lately. I've been streaming a lot, so mm-hmm. um, Ocarina of Time. I've been through it a few times in the last few months, and um, I've the last two playthroughs that I've done, 
both of them, I did the Gerudo training. Um, it is not as easy. Like I did it on the 3DS first and that's like a dream because you have the motion controls. Yeah. Um, do, doing this on, I, I imagine the N64 has got to be a nightmare, but um, doing it on the GameCube or the virtual console is likewise very difficult. Um, until you like figure out some tricks, like once you figure out how far you need to lead or, you know, have your bow aimed below something in order to hit it right, um, it gets a lot easier. But it still takes me a few tries to start before I can actually get it. Um, the pots are very helpful. They're worth 100 points no matter what. Yeah, you get like 600 right off the bat. And then I just, I just like smacked the crap out of the last one. Yeah, you just shoot like, it from I, a distance I, the whole way. Yeah, and just bah, 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 bah. Gotcha. And I nailed it. <laughs> so one of the um one of the I think one of the last carpenters will tell you about the desert and how there's two trials. It's the last one. Yeah, and he says you need the eye of truth in order to cross. Um but that's not he's not the only one who'll tell you that. You'll get that hint like two more times on your way <laughs> into the desert. <laughs> um it's funny because like before all, any any Gerudo who sees you is just like, oh, like, you know, just halt, stop right there, comes get you, throws you in jail. And now they're all just kind of like they all have the same dialogue for the most part. As long as they're – if they're wearing purple, they're going to have the same dialogue. And it's all just kind of <laughs> like you're one of us now. You can come and go as you please. And then if you talk – the <laughs> Yeah, all the – all the ones in white are like are, are more unique. I don't know if they're a higher rank or what, but they actually have unique dialogue in them. There's one at the base of the gate that would just basically say like, oh, are you looking to head out into the desert? <laughs> it doesn't actually open the gate for you. They make you climb a ladder just to ask one yeah. NPC to open the gate. And then you got to climb back yeah. down to go out. <laughs> it's like it really I, I feel like they should have made it so you could just talk to the to the woman on the ground and she would just yell up like, open the gate. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right. it did seem a little needless. Um, but yeah, you get out there and, um, there's two ways to cross this first part. Cause it's like, there's a, there's a sandy river kind of thing. I don't know what they actually call it. Um, you need the hover boots for that. Yeah. You can get across with the hover boots or you can long shot to one of the boxes on the other side of it. Um, so oh. if you don't want to get the hover boots and you just want to go straight to the spirit temple, um, you can do the spirit temple first without actually having done the shadow temple. Um, I don't think there's anywhere in the actual temple where you need the hover boots either. Um, mm. So it works out really well. There might be one spot that I can think of, but. I mean, if you want to get the flying carpet, you need the hover boots. But if you don't want to bother with him, <laughs> which you don't the need Bombachu. to. The Bombachu like, salesman. Yeah. Of the new a, age. There's a gold skulltula you need to, the hover boots to get to in the room. One of the rooms. Yeah. True. I think that's about it, though. Nice. By the way, guys, don't, I mean, like, I know Cameron, you did, but, like, you don't need to buy the Bombachus from this guy because it's a freaking ripoff. You can just go to Castletown for them when you're a kid and it's, like, way cheaper. Yeah, the ones in Castletown are limited, but not so much that you're ever going to run into that, I don't think. You Unless see, you're a Bombachu enthusiast. <laughs> I must have picked up like 500 rupees on top of the 200 that I had maxed out the whole time I was picking them up. So I was like, you know what? That's fine. And by the time I was done with the temple, I already had 200 rupees again anyways. True. And yeah. 
you do get Bombachus in the dungeon in the Spirit Temple, so I think you get like five yeah, you get anyway. Some free ones. So it's whatever. Yeah, this is this is the first place you actually need a bomb. I think you only need one. Yeah. Um, and even with that, you don't actually need the bomb. Like you can do what you do with the bomb in this dungeon with a regular bomb, but you have to time it real well, and it's it's not easy from what I understand. I've never done it though. Yeah. Um, even later, like when we get to the final chapter of the game, you actually I think do need a bombachu. But um, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. So yeah. So, so cross. We, uh, the we follow some. We follow some flags with or some poles with flags on them. Yeah, they're a little tricky to see because the the sand is obscuring your vision. <laughs> yeah, there's a sandstorm. Yeah, and you don't have the the special goggles like you got in the Pokemon games way back when. I don't think those really even helped your vision. They just made it so you could even go in. But still, you don't get anything to help you. You just got to, like, parse out a vertical pole in the distance while the sand's all going horizontal. So, um, yeah, it's not, too, it's not too bad. You can actually long shot from pole to pole and on some of them. Oh, yeah. If you, at least if you take uh -huh. a few steps out, I think I think some of them, it's, they're just a little too far to do that to. But once you can... Once you can reach them with the long shot, you can long shot to these poles. So that's pretty fun. And eventually you'll come up to like and a once, random building. Yeah. You come up to like a circular building with a staircase going up around it. And there's, if you turn on your lens of truth, there's a pole floating above the building. Yeah. And this is the, um, well, I think the it's weird because they say that there's two trials God. in the desert and one was that little river right in the beginning. And the second one, I guess, is a combination. I don't know if the if the river is connected to the pole chasing thing or if the pole chasing thing is connected to the Poe. But I think like the whole thing before the Poe is considered the river part, even though it's basically just that first little hill mm. that's really considered the river. That's how I took it anyways, and the rest of it was like just to get up to the Poe. Gotcha. So this Poe, uh, once you can see him, offers to be your guide, tells you to keep up you know, um, starts running out into the desert. Um, and the expectation is that you're going to chase him and, uh, follow his path very closely. Um, and he is, um, he's, he's a prankster, this one, cause he'll, um, he'll stop and pause and like wait. And the problem with that is that there are levers everywhere. <laughs> um, and levers do not like you being anywhere in the desert. Uh, I don't know if Anthony, you wanted to try to explain some more about what a lever is, but it's like these nasty little creatures. They are basically living cactus. Uh, they move, they torture you, they make a sound when they enter and leave the ground, which is sort of creepy in the desert. And honestly, I didn't even bother with them. Uh, you don't need to bother with them. If you don't want to, you can just block them and keep running. I mean, they're not going to take enough hearts from you that like you need to fight them. And there's the possibility that if you fight them, you could misstep and get taken back to the beginning. So honestly, it's good to just follow the Poe and dodge them when needed to get there. Yeah, I ignored them entirely. I actually didn't even hit one on the run, but there was a ton of them, I agree. Yeah, I never... And I don't think you have a lot of... 
leeway uh, in the path that you have. It's probably like an eight-foot path, and if you go too far out either way, it just kicks you right back to the beginning of the Po chase. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not suggesting – like, you shouldn't try to fight these things. Like, really, ever – there are a few situations where you might need to if you're trying to get gold scotulas or do something in the desert. But that's really not for this section, especially. Like, you really just want to f- get to the Po. Normally, like, they'll come up, target wherever you are when they've come up, take kind of take a straight line. Um so you can just kind of bob and weave a little bit, just like juke them out, and that will uh, they'll pretty much miss you after that. Um, but they are consistent; they just keep popping up. Like once one set goes back down into the sand, another set pops up to to be the follow up. So um, it's infinite, infinite levers. <laughs> they never they it's a constant news never stop leaving. So there was a fan theory um, I wanted to get into with them that. So the way that they're uh, the way that they're they work is that they sense the vibrations from someone's movements, and that's actually because they don't have eyes, right? So that's when they actually know when to strike and you know a target you in that line, uh, and that's why they burrow again. So then once they burrow, they can then feel the vibrations again and then target that line. So the fan theory was that it's obviously been debunked which would be really cool if it worked. But you would be able to wear the hover boot so that the vibrations didn't actually happen. And I think it's a missed feature by the developers who actually have implemented that. Yeah, that because if you read Hyrule Historia, Hyrule Historia actually gives that description of them, that like they sense the vibration. So I feel like it's a missed opportunity with the levers themselves and the hover boot. Because you can just avoid that whole situation in the desert at all. Like, they won't even be able to get to you. Yeah, that would have been magical. Speaking speaking of magical, um, so the second we actually get through this po chase, um, we enter the uh, oh gosh, is this like the desert colossus area? Yes, desert colossus. Um, and when you first get in there, what you want to do before you run right up to the big to the big fancy statue is look to your right and there'll be two palm trees um, outlining a small crack on like a cliff wall. It's actually one of the easiest ones I think to miss because there's not, there's no big rock that like is tempting you to try to blow it up or anything like that. Um, But if you do bomb this crack between these two palm trees, you can go in and get the spell for Nehru's love, which is uh temporary invulnerability, which is pretty <laughs> fantastic. It'll come it costs in a lot later. of magic, but it is handy. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, um, I missed it. You missed. Oh, why? It's all good. I wouldn't have used it anyways, but I'll grab it later. Uh, yeah. So you might be able to edit this in later, but I did have one more fun fact about levers. So, right. uh, levers are a again a one of the other enemies that when you defeat ten of them a big one spawns just like the style children and then you do that again and a giant one spawns and it's terrifying <laughs> so i just wanted to like point that out that you that's one of the enemies that that happens with okay it's like it's like a tremor situation it. yeah it's terrifying no there's no reason that they should be that big so that's hilarious oh my <laughs> goodness i want to try it now yeah, just that, to see how big it is <laughs> 
I'm not. We doing a big leave this time. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not liking it though. Oh man. Um. So that. So on the right was Nehru's love. You run through the levers, and you got to do all of these things while levers are constantly popping out and attacking. Um. If you go to the left, there are a bunch of palm trees circling like a crater in the ground. And if you um, if you play the Song of Storms, it will actually fill up that crater with water, and it becomes a small fairy fountain. So if you're Yay. you know you need some fairies, you know it's a nice convenient way to get them. Um, it's right before the temple, so uh, it'd be right outside for you the whole time. It's kind of nice. Well, I mean, every time you leave and come back, that you I gotta remember. refill it, but you know it's worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. There's actually a Skulltula on the tree on that oasis, which I, I tried to get. And I got so annoyed because I couldn't get the hook shot <laughs> off in time before a fever hit me. I was getting so frustrated. Yeah, they'll do that. I did that too. I'm trying I just to didn't fire eventually because I was so mad. <laughs> One of my save files, and it's like getting that, that gold Skulltula in particular was nasty. Because you can't roll into the tree and have it fall like no. other Skaltalas and trees do. Um, on a palm tree, you have to just straight up shoot it off the tree, and that's that's a pain. Um, so yeah, so after we've messed around a little bit out here in the in the Desert Colossus area, I mean, we did. It is called the Desert Colossus area because there is a, a massive statue. Um, this, I believe, is is called the um, Goddess of the Sand. Um, I think that's the name that they give it. Um, and it has no explanation. It, <laughs> it's, um, like uh, some people have, have kind of theorized about what it is, who it is. Um, some people, I mean, cause it's, you're out in the desert, um, which is kind of an earthy place. So they think that maybe it's supposed to be Din, um, who, you know, is just going by a different name here. Um, Usually the theories go that it's one of the the three goddesses. Um, Din's the one that I've heard the most, I think. Um, I, I mean, Nehru's spell is here, but I don't think it makes sense for it to be Nehru. Um, unless you think about like wind and sand moving in the wind. I don't know. Like there's some, there's some, I think that's even more for Aurora, honestly, for wind. Hold on. Weird, Maybe weird a theory. a long time ago, this desert was actually an ocean, so... Yeah, I, I I don't want to spoil Skyward Sword at all since that's our next thing. But there is a thing that makes me believe because of a name in the desert in that game that because you know what it was called in that game, right? And how it kind of has a connotation with Nehru. Um, or do you not remember? I don't remember Skyward Sword all that well. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, well, there's a there's like a lake in Breath of the Wild then that was called Le Nehru and oh, okay. that's yeah. what the desert I'm pretty sure there's a part in that desert named Le Nehru and it's yeah uh, maybe that's similar yeah I don't know yeah a similar statue to this is also found in Twilight Princess I think um where instead of because this this statue has a snake on top of its head like a hood like the hood of the King Cobra is actually the hood of this goddess um, and, uh, in Twilight Princess, I think instead it's like wrapped around her neck or something like that. But, um, but there's like torches everywhere around her or something. And that's why another reason why people thought that it might've been Din. Um, but really there's no, 
there's no text to outright say who it's supposed to be. Um, it, I mean, honestly, like there's enough of like Egyptian <laughs> influence in this part of the game. Like that, that statue is like straight up off of a, off of an Egyptian tomb or something. Um, that people think that, it, I mean, well, not people think, I, I personally think that this might not have even been a goddess. Like this might be a statue of, of like a Gerudo Pharaoh of a kind, like who was like either masquerading as a goddess or, you know, was believed to be one. Um, there's no real explanation for it, but it's, um, it's cool. <laughs> it's a big, cool statue. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't realize this, but the um, you know, when they we talked about them changing the Gerudo symbol from the moon and the star over to what I thought was a face. I mean, it's not really a face. It's the um, it's supposed to be the back of the hood of a king cobra. Um, I didn't know that, oh, and I thought it was a face. Like saw it, saw it in text. I thought it was a face too because it has the eyes, which you know, it's kind of like the back of a snake. <laughs> like it has those, yeah. like it has those big facsimile yeah. eyes that are supposed to like ward off predators or whatever so camouflage yeah i'm not gonna lie the moon and the star was definitely like i I liked the look of it more i understand the connotation of it and why they got rid of it but honestly like when you're looking at it on the back of the mirror shield i just thought it was way better yeah it's strange because like i guess nintendo decided at some point that they weren't going to have any religious um imagery in their games but they still have like temples and sages and like religious rituals and all kinds of religious and hieroglyphics written on walls yeah and all that true stuff. yeah no so it's it doesn't really make i mean i think there is it was a little bit more of a specific issue than that um but yeah so this <laughs> i mean this is evident of some kind of worship specifically held by the gerudo um and I'll get a little more into that in in like one of these next sections. In the 3DS version, when they do the introduction for this Desert Colossus area, I swear you can see something white on top of like the big rock that's sitting out in front of the entrance to the temple. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that'll come into play after we leave the first time we enter. Yeah, because right now that's pretty much where we're going. Right, we're heading into the spirit temple. Yeah, and there's a trap when you get in there. <laughs> y'all, the y'all first know, time you get... remember the trap, right? Yeah, I mean it's not the first time we run into this. Um, no, but like, tra- like <laughs> it's it's just like the other ones that have been in past temples haven't been as quick. Like you really have to be quick on your guard button for this one. This two jars just gonna come straight your face like. Wah! Yeah, you get trolled by a couple of pots, man. Oh, yeah. It's the revenge of the pots. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you did us brothers dirty in the fire temple. We got you this time. Like, we saw you over in Castle Town. though, half the time they hit you, half the time they hit you, they give you a heart, though. So it's like, hurry, here, take your healing faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's um, it's very helpful. On, on a three heart, you just, like, you just shield up. <laughs> it hits the shield, and you get your heart, and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> recovery time so um yeah i mean once we're in here though there's not really much you can do i mean you see a giant block to your right you on the left there's a crawl hole and it's like wait why is there a crawl hole there and so you're like i don't know you explore a little bit more and there's, there's also two a couple snakes. of rock enemies isn't there rock enemies yeah, the uh, the statue guys the ones from you have to blow up. Cabin. Oh, Armos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Armos. Yeah, they're there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's not really much in that room. And then, like, if you look to the side, though, yeah. there's two Cobra-like statues. And if you read what's on the Cobra tablets, it says, return here with the pure heart of a child. And I was thinking, like, okay, but that's like saying as if a 17-year-old Link is dirty or something. He's not pure. Like, what did he do? He just went into a time chamber. <laughs> like, he should still be pure. But I get the connotation. They just want you to be a kid. Yeah. I never, I don't think I've ever read those actually. But, um, oh, yeah, but that's yeah. not the only hint you get because when you go to leave, um, mm -hmm. there's like this big rock bridge thing outside the door. Um, and Sheik comes down to meet you once again. Yeah. That's who I thought the white thing I saw on top of the rock was because I remembered somebody met you or jumped down from that rock. And I'm pretty sure that in the 3DS version, it kind of shows you Sheik there for like a couple frames <laughs> as it really quickly goes over the rock. Just shows you like the head wraps or something like she's hiding up there somewhere. Yeah, that, that she's just waiting for you to like go in and leave so she can jump down. That's hilarious. No doubt it. I mean, there's another, <laughs> there's another uh, person we see while, while uh, Sheik's leaving, though. If you guys saw him. I'm sorry, somebody else there while... Yeah, well, so while once you're done talking to Sheik, uh, you'll actually see Kapora Gabor, our old friend, actually flying off in the distance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's still around. Yeah. But yeah, so Sheik comes, gives you the Requiem of Spirit. Um, there's, there's a poem associated with it, kind of, but it's really just saying that, you know, you can travel back and forth through time on the Master Sword. Like, the Master Sword is like... um like your vessel upon which you go back and forth through, through time, um, through the river of time, I think is what he says. You got to talk about what a requiem is. I am going to talk about what a requiem is. Yeah. It's pretty great. Give some context. I looked this up too. Did you? Yeah. Nice. So, um, so she gives us the requiem of spirit after this. Um, so of course, you know, we, this is our last, uh, teleporting song. Um, and I guess the last one we'll go through the, the naming of, um, so a requiem, this was in my notes that I left at work, I think. Um, but a requiem is a song that's normally used in like a mass, um, for the repose of the dead. So like, this is something that's like supposed to kind of like, it's like a song that's supposed to, I guess, honor and like give rest, um, almost kind of calls back to the sun song a little bit. Um, but it's, it's more, I guess, explicitly like this is a song, um, to, to help like put the dead to rest. Um, like I said, usually it's, it's something that's sung like at a, I don't say at a funeral, but like in, in memory, um, at like a religious mass. Um, that's like the typical use of it. I, I'm sure like this game, there's, there really aren't religious masses, so that's not going to really happen, but, um, it kind of gives the impression that this almost like the shadow temple, but maybe in a, in a more respectful way, um, is a temple again, kind of related to death and to people who have died. Um, which we see a little bit of as we go through this temple. Um, but not as much as you would think. Um, I guess the, the other part is the Requiem of Spirit, right? So, like, uh, I mean, honestly, like, giving rest to the spirits is is the most obvious one 
that you like the most yeah, obvious statement that you could you come out of this with. Um, I don't think like there's a lot of meanings to the word spirit too. Like this is the spirit temple and it plays into my, my whole color theory thing that I want to get into, but that's going to, again, uh, I feel like that's best. Once we, once we talk to the sage of this temple, I feel like it's going to be a good time for me to get into that. Um, but yeah, like, like spirit itself, like, like it can mean, you know, that you have a certain spirit about you. It can mean like, you know, obviously like, spirits like your spirits like you know the non-physical part of you that's you know emotions and your character traits and things like that like um it's a it's kind of an abstract word in a lot of places but i think the one that stands out to me along with spirits as in you know um your non-corporeal form um is like being spirited like being um, someone who is high in spirits, because that, when you look at that, it kind of means that someone has a lot of like courage and energy and confidence and like, like they're a spirited person. And I think that, that that plays into, um, what this temple is going to be about. There's like this weird, weird split between like respecting the dead and still having enthusiasm, you know? Um, which itself is a word meaning to, to have the spirit of like a God within you. Um, enthusiasm, such a cool word, but anyway, um, enough, enough about <laughs> the lexicon <laughs> of this game. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I think that this is, uh, this is one of the, my favorite dungeons, honestly, like I love this thing. So it's my favorite. Sh- yeah. Taking Sheik's advice. Well, this is, I thought the spirit or the shadow temple was your favorite. What you talking about? <laughs> that was before I played this. Oh, all right. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so taking Sheik's advice, uh, we are going to go back in time and come back as a kid. Now that we have the song to get here, uh, we have the possibility to get here. So, Also, yeah. side note, don't try to go through the Garadu Fortress as a child because it will not work even with the membership card. <laughs> if any of you will. I feel like one person would try that. So don't try yeah. it. They kind of just basically tell you they're not letting people through. Huh. I don't know the membership card would be okay with it. Nah, it, since you're a kid, they like hate kids, and even with the membership card, you get you can't do it. They hate kids. Yep. If you come back with the Gerudo mask, they're like, "Haha, we won't be so easily fooled." <laughs> <laughs> also, there's a Gerudo mask in this game. Like, why? <laughs> why is yeah. that a thing? Oh my goodness! More on that later. I have a whole spiel about these people. I, because they they got the short end of the stick in a lot of places. So uh, let's uh let's head back to the temple then. So we replay the requiem of spirit to get us to the temple colossus, the desert colossus. Oh, well, we play prelude of light to get to the temple of time to turn into a kid. And then uh, I thought we already turned into a kid, but yeah, yeah. So you you turn into a kid, you go to the temple, you come back. Um, we get inside the temple again. And so you get into the temple, and we see that standing in front of the little crawl space that was once vacant is now a Gerudu who goes by the name of Nebiru. And she basically goes through some dialogue with you about who she is, what the Ger- like something about the Gerudu. And then she asks you a question where she says, 
I hope you're not working with Ganon. Oh man, I hate Ganon. Tell me that you hate Ganon and you can either tell her no or yeah, I hate Ganon too. And so yeah, I don't really know what the Ganon option or... is if you if you lie. I don't I never done that yet, but um you know, like there's there's different things. I mean, some one of her responses I actually have a text dump up right now because, you know, I learned how to do that, so that's fun. Um, I actually use a transcript because it actually gets it organized by character. So it's nice. Um, so when she first sees you, she's like, you're just a kid. This is no place for kids. So let's note that. Let's put a note on that one. She knows you're a kid. Check. All right. Great. That'll come in handy later. Um, you can tell her that you're looking for a sage, but she'll be like a sage. I don't know anyone like that. That's foreshadowing. Go ahead and mark that down to pow. All right. So <laughs> next one. Uh, if you if you say that you're not looking for anything really, um, she have nothing to do. What good timing? Can you do me a favor? Wait a second. I want to ask you first. You wouldn't happen to be one of Gandor's followers, you know. So now you can say either "What if I am?" or "I hate Ganondorf." <laughs> so I'm guessing, what, Anthony, what you're talking about is the "What if I am?" option. I I yeah 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 yeah. So she she I've laughs and then it. she's like, "Don't try to act cool, kid. I was just asking, kid. Like you could never be one of Ganondorf's followers." Well, let's cut to the chase. And then I guess she goes and asks again or, or something like that. Like it's, I don't know if it loops back or if it just ends and you have to reinitiate. Um, oh, you know what? It actually says right here that either option will get you to the end of this. So you can say whatever you want. Um, so, or if you say, I hate Ganondorf, he's like, uh-huh, you got guts. I think I like you. Right. So this is where things really take off here because this is where you get more background of the Gerudo. Um, and this will kind of snowball into like a lot of the things that I want to say about like this chapter and these people and how it's awesome at the same time, problematic and you know, all, all the things. All right. So she says, uh, first of all, let me introduce myself. I'm Naburu of the Gerudo. I've always said it Naburu. I know you said like Naburu earlier, but whatever. We all say it different. I'm Naburu of the God of the Gerudos. Um, I'm a lone wolf thief, which is like such a funny way to identify yourself. But anyway, uh, but don't get me wrong. Though we're both thieves, I'm completely different from Ganondorf. With his followers, he stole from women and children. He even killed people. A kid like you may not know this, but the Gerudo race consists only of women. Only one man is born every hundred years. Even though our laws say that that lone man or that lone say that lone male Gerudo must become king of the Gerudos, I'll never bow to such an evil man. Um, and then she, you know, gets into talking to you about your name and like asks you to go through the hole to get these silver gauntlets because her whole plan is she wants to steal all the treasure from this temple because this temple is where Ganondorf has been. I guess it's been his like base of operations up to this point. Um. I mean, obviously, we know that seven years from now, his base of operations will be his tower that takes place, like takes the place of the castle. But I guess as a kid, um, his his headquarters is the Spirit Temple. Um, so I, her plan is to go in and steal the treasure, and somehow that's going to mess up their plans. Now we know that the treasure in the temple has nothing to do with Ganondorf's plans, um, and that's going to be a real effect, ineffective strategy. Um, but. Uh, she thinks of everything in terms of thievery. So like, this is one of the things about the Gerudos, right? Like everybody in all of Hyrule knows the Gerudos as thieves. Like that is just what they are. Like even the Gerudos know the Gerudos as thieves. Like they all pretty much will straight up tell you, oh yeah, we're thieves for sure. Um, (laughs) 
So the problem comes in for the fact that like these are the only people of color in the whole game. You know, um, they've tried to change some of this stuff. Like in Breath of the Wild, they did a lot better job of like having them be their own race of people. And it's not it's not just the skin tone that makes them a race, obviously. Like they're all women. Um, they don't generally give birth to men, which is, you know, in itself like kind of a a pretty significant difference to just have happen. Um, and most of them are pretty tall as well. Yeah, they have some different physical traits too. Like they're they're kind of like Am- Amazon S quality. They got a whole thing going on. It's not necessarily that they can't give birth to like people. It's just when they. It's been said that they do. They can mate with Hylian men. Um, yeah, when they choose to. So it, it's. I don't think they do, and it's probably men who are very skilled in as warriors, like as Link which is another thing I'm sure you're going to get into. Yeah. So there's a, there's a line that when you, you know, you beat the last, like you beat the, the guard that you have to fight for the, um for the small keys for the carpenters, right? Like where she says, I thought all men were useless aside from Ganondorf. Um, and she actually tells you a little bit, like she names Nabooru as like the exalted Nabooru second in command to Ganondorf. Um, so, so like, they kind of mentioned that basically like all the other men in Hyrule are useless. So there's some like, there's some sexism here, but I mean, obviously they're an all female race. I mean, this is, yeah, it's kind of a thing, but I guess what I was getting back to, I mean, like they're, you said they, they can mate with Hyrule men. Like, yeah, like that's part of the reason that this is kind of an issue because like they're close enough. I mean, they're pretty much the same species as a highland. Like, whereas you would think with a Zora or a Goron or something like, you'd be like, okay, they they have a completely different thing going on. Like the Gerudos ultimately don't. Like they don't. <laughs> like they're similar enough where it makes it weird. Like the whole rest of Hyrule um, has a bad opinion of the Gerudos, and they're all kind of kind of shoved off into the corner in the desert. Um. And it's like they have like a military camp set up. They, you know, they guard their gates or whatever. It's like there's a big split here. Um, and it's not fully explained. Like, I think that the easiest way to explain it is to, to kind of refer back to that civil war that happened. Um, because if you assume that the Gerudos were on the other side of the war, um, it, I mean, you would imagine that only 10 years later, those, those bonds wouldn't be mended. Um, so whatever whatever relationship they had with the Gerudo pre-war has not been resolved. Like, like they're they're still kind of like split right down the line there. Um, but yeah, like if you put on that Gerudo mask, because you know, which is kind of messed up in itself, because there's no Hylian mask. Like you are a Hylian, so you put on your Gerudo mask, and if you run around mm-hmm. and talk to people, you'll learn kind of how they feel about the Gerudo, and most of the Hylians will like kind of be scared of you. Um, if you talk to Darunia, he straight up says, I hate Gerudos. Like, and people have said, well, that's probably because Ganondorf, you know, tried to kill his whole, his whole race. <laughs> um, which I guess is, makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, uh, like that's just the, the whole line is just, I hate Gerudos. Like he only met one. Um, and like, it's, it's similar to that. Yeah, right. So Ganondorf, after he, and I'm just kind of going into these opinions, right? Like after Ganondorf left Castletown, 
um, chasing after Zelda, you can, when you talk to some of the townsfolk, they actually call out that he was a Gerudo. They're like, oh, a Gerudo around here, like something fishy must be going on. Um, you know, we don't normally get Gerudos in, in Castletown or whatever, which means that they didn't know that Ganondorf was here for diplomatic relations either. Um, and they kind of just like, at, people are just kind of scared. Like if you go talk to King Zora with the Gerudo mask, he, he'll tell you that your mask looks unnerving. Um, Rudo will think you're funny for wearing it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it, it's just, it's strange. Okay. The weirdest one, I think in my mind, like the weirdest one is if you talk to Talon wearing the Gerudo mask, he will tell you that you look like his wife or his ex-wife or whatever. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, wait, no, no, you don't. Never mind. Um, he'll pretty much just back up on his <laughs> words. Um, and if you talk to Naburu with the, with the Gerudo mask on, she'll be like, wow, that kind of looks like me. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and she'll kind of back up her words too. Um, which would imply that maybe they were hiding something, but I, I don't know how to tell a, a, a Gerudo's age and if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a weird implication there that Malon, you know, the redheaded wink, wink, like, Half Gerudo. Ranch girl might be half Gerudo. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because like, I don't know, like why would she still be with her dad? You know, like the Gerudo only give birth to women and when they do, they tend to keep them, you know? Um, Because she's dirty. She's only half. Well, here's the thing. Like there's a, um, that's messed up. (laughs) Yeah. Some Harry Potter nonsense going on. Um, but like there's a uh there's a gossip stone in this game. Sorry, I went in on this because I wanted to figure out exactly what was going on and I did some apparently. Dating. So there's a gossip stone that that pretty much outright says that like the Gerudo sometimes or I don't know if it says often or sometimes, but it says we'll go into Hyrule Castle Town looking for boyfriends. Um so like it seems like their main mode of doing things is to leave the Gerudo Fortress. Um, in order to continue their race, <laughs> um, I will say. And, you know, like that's kind of messed up too. Um, he, here's what I, when doing research about this, like I immediately thought of the Amazons, you know, like I know that yeah. most people will think of the Amazon, like they might jump immediately to like, um, you know, Wonder Woman. Um, but Wonder Woman is kind of like, you know, it's it's a little too DC um, for what I think this they're more similar to. Um, but the Amazons mm-hmm. were like a Greek, um, I guess, idea. Um, nobody like has really confirmed whether or not they really existed. But basically, like in the Greek mythology, um, even Hercules, I think, has has a scene where he goes and he has to get a belt from one of the Amazon tribe leaders. And originally it was going peacefully, but then something breaks out and they all get into a big fight and it doesn't go go well. Like he ends up killing some people. Um, But who the Amazons were, were an all female warrior race (laughs) um, who rejected, like they weren't really a race. They were just a people um, and they rejected men. So basically they would leave like the same way the Gerudos are said to do, they would leave their their tribe. They would go like have children. And if the children were boys, they would stay with their father. And if they were girls, they would go back to the Amazon tribe and be raised up as an Amazon woman. 
Um, they were said to be, you know, like this is, you know, going, just going back to gender issues here, but like they were said to be just as like strong and as skilled and as good of riders and archers as men were. Um, and it's kind of, you know, interesting that the, that the key skills that were kind of focused on were, you know, war, combat, horse riding, which we do see in the Gerudo, uh, fortress and archery, which again, we see in the Gerudo fortress and like their whole respect is based on, um, respect for Link is based on his skill in combat. Um, you know, like it, it almost just is like a one for one, like this is what they did. Um, which kind of plays into my thoughts on the spirit temple too, because the, the, um, the Amazons were said to have kind of existed. I don't, I don't remember which city it was, but basically their, their temple that they had was the temple of Artemis, who was like, the huntress goddess right like she she's like opposite diana like if you know like just greek and roman like gods and stuff like um basically known for uh you know the hunt for for skill and combat for a few other things as well but like it, it was a big part like it matched one it matches up with their culture entirely um which is why i think that maybe this goddess of the sand is like their version of Artemis, right? Like it's like their like pinnacle. This is what a Gerudo is like bases their life off of kind of thing. Um, but it's just, it was wild to me when I looked up the Amazons and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like this is where Nintendo got this, this race. Um, at least that's, that's what it looked like to me anyway. Um, so I don't know. I thought that was a pretty cool dive <laughs> into figuring out what was going on here. Um, that being said, wearing a Gerudo mask, the fact that there is one, the fact that there's this huge split, um, these all, this, this tribe that is specifically only women of color and that they're basically treated like, like, um, a huge, uh, I don't know, threat, scare, um, whatever, like, Band of, thieves. Band of thieves by the rest of of Hyrule, it, it's problematic. It also reminds me. Uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with like Romanian culture at all, but in Romania, there's actually roaming bands. Uh, people uh, people that don't know them call them gypsies, but they're actually just thieves that will. Go around, um, in olden days it used to be horse and buggy, um, they'd wear very clothy, light clothing, sort of like the Garadu, very, very much like jewelry with, uh, shiny cloth clothing and very vibes like Turkey, Istanbul, and they'd go around with carts of shopping goods and once you stopped to shop there, they would just steal from you and continue on and that's actually where they got all the goods from but you can never actually buy the goods because they would just rob you um so it kind of reminds me a little bit of that sort of culture of things as well i know it's i know they're you know not really of color because romanian's white but i feel like there's a lot of influences of uh, like a lot of different cultures going on here in this this part of the game with just Egyptian, Mexican, um, Spanish, yeah. Aztec, right, Romanian. It's all over the place. Yeah, Amazon. Some, so yeah, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of the information that I found kind of placed the Amazons like in the 
in the myth to, to kind of exist um, in what is now modern day Turkey and Iran. So, I mean, it kind of fits okay. into that like Middle Eastern yeah. culture that kind of is like hinted a lot <laughs> in this section. But yeah, like I, I think we mentioned it before, like there's a lot of like desert cultures, ideas, you know what I mean? Like a lot of ideas no. and anywhere culture. where there's a desert um, and they just picked like cultural details that they found, I guess they, they thought were cool or fascinating or what. And they, they built this, this group. And um, it's one of, honestly, like it's one of the most detailed and like, well thought out landscapes it's really a shame that that there's all this stigma attached to it um and i I don't know if that was just the cost of doing it or what but like it's you know it's if anyone's gonna look at ocarina of time and say okay where's the problem like that's the problem the the gerudo the gerudo race is the problem like in in breath of the wild i think they handled it a lot better but still like (laughs) i mean this is this is 20 years ago i also think that in the time in the 90s it, it, the world in in the time this game was made that wasn't going to cross someone's mind of oh this kind of offended me it was like oh they're representing my culture i like this now in today's day and age i feel like that is something that is misrepresented and someone will get offended by it it's just a different day and age i feel and when they made that game that's how okay it was whereas today you could not make that game like that basically you they represented it how they wanted to make it in breath of the wild how it was appropriate for today's day and age basically so i don't think it should be looked at as necessarily like a problem because it's a piece of history the game was made that way for a reason and how culture was back then i i I can see what you're saying yeah yeah, I mean, it just seems like, I don't know, like, it it definitely, without, I guess, the information age that we're in now, um, really being there for people to be less, I guess, ignorant <laughs> of each other, um, it, it really, like, I know me as a kid, I did not have enough of a scope in my life to, like, really even think about these things. I just thought it was a cool game and it was a cool part of the cool game. Um, I still enjoy playing through this part of the game. Like I still think it's one of the best sections. Like I don't, I don't personally take offense and say, wow, like I can't play this, but um, I do understand that it, it, it can be hurtful um, in a lot of the ways that are gone. Like the Gerudo, according to the rest of the world are like the bad guys. Um, I don't feel that way. Um, and part of that's just like some of the things I've picked up about what this culture is and why they are the way they are. Um, but yeah, I get a little more into that. Um, a lot of the references like used to describe and like show them as a people, a lot of the, the references to like the Middle Eastern culture stereotypes are used a lot in many forms of media, like to just connect two things. And, you know, like, like what uh, Anthony was talking about before recently, that wasn't really looked at too much. So that, that was just a, a basic thing. And for the time, that's pretty, uh, typical. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of why you see over characterization is because they're trying to just stereotype it. So you definitely know what they're trying to hint at. Yeah. And I, and I get that. Like a lot of times stereotypes, like 
we've mentioned this before too, are used a lot in storytelling, um, especially when you're going to yeah. subvert expectations. Like I think one of the more powerful things about this part of the game, um, cause like you can look at it as a racist story point, or you can look at it as a story point about racism. Right. Um, because until you've actually gotten into this group, everything that you've heard about them, everything that you've gotten from the rest of the world has been this like super negative, like, oh, they're the worst, right? But then you get there and not only do they like, you know, like you, you become a member of their group. Like they, they like you, like they think that you're the coolest thing. Like you, I mean, you, you kind of fit right in with their culture with the fact that you're a skilled warrior and horseback rider and all these things. And I mean, honestly, when it comes to thieving, like Link is probably the most adept thief in the entire game. Um, <laughs> I actually want to mention, like, did you talk to the lady at the archery range? Because she's like, wow, that's a nice horse you got there. Where did you steal yeah, it from? She does. <laughs> it's like, well, you're not wrong. I did <laughs> steal it from someone. No, I mean, you won it in a bet fair and square. Actually, you yeah. just had to jump away from his death trap afterwards. <laughs> <True>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I do remember that. I did see that. That's. But it, it is kind of like stealing it. Yeah. Um, so they have this really cool, this really cool culture built up. Um, and I mean, like Link fits right into it. Um, I think one of the, one of the, one of the cool things about this, right? Like, so kind of going back into the color theory stuff that I've been talking about this whole time, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a color nerd apparently at this point. Um, (laughs) so the, the spoiler, I guess the, the medallion that we get for this place is orange. It's our orange color and orange is the complementary color of blue, which means that these Gerudos are contrasted with the Zoras of all people. Um, or this, you know, spirit temple is contrasted with the water temple. Um, and I think that this is brilliant because it only makes sense that the desert, like the most arid waterless place, um, would be contrasted with the people who literally just live in water. Um, but um, the dichotomy that I think I find here, because we've already talked several times about how water is wisdom. Um, so what is the spirit, right? Like what is this this thing? And I think that spirit, I mean, it's just as I was saying before, like it's that zeal, it's that enthusiasm, it's passion, right? Like these are a passionate people. Um like they live life to the full, man. Like you go into their stuff, like they're cooking soup. They got like every, every hallway has like this big, like animal ornament with like big colorful feathers everywhere. Um, they actually have, I think just about every other color we've talked about represented somewhere in their fortress. <laughs> um, they dress colorful. They live colorful. Like it's amazing. Like you, you come here, the, the, you know, the music's great and all, but like, it's just another hint at like what this section is about. Like, and I I think that the reason that this is so important, like you think about wisdom, right? Like if you are just a wise person, but you don't have any passion, any drive, any like ambitions or like, you know, that enthusiasm in your life, like you could be described as maybe distant as maybe robotic in a way, um, or even cold, which I think is hilarious like the because Zora. the Zora people are currently frozen over um, because of, I mean, it, <laughs> it, I think as like a metaphor for this lack of, of passion, I think that's always kind of been the thing. Like you go there as a kid and nobody, like none of them really know what's going on. Um, they're just kind of apathetic. 
Like they're an apathetic people. Like they seem like they just kind of, they're like, yeah, we know what we're up to. We're protecting this water source, whatever. And like, as, as an adult, they're, they're literally frozen over. Like that's how far it's gone. And so like here, the implication is like, okay, so these people are like super zealous and like have it, like they're all about it. Like they're, they're living their life to the full. Right. So like, but what they lack is, is the wisdom. And I'm like, well, where, where are they lacking the wisdom? I'm like, it seems like they're pretty adept at fighting and, and thieving and things like that. I mean, there's a knowledge base that they clearly have that they hold on to. Um, so what's, what's the big deal? Like, what's their mistake? What's their, what's their foolishness? Right. Um, and there's two of them. Um, one of them I think is their following of Ganondorf. <laughs> um, because they are, For sure. they are a, um, group of noble thieves, right? Like Naboo even said like, oh, Ganondorf, he's, you know, he's stolen from women and children, which I guess is against their code. They don't steal from women and children. Um, they have standards. They only steal from the men. <laughs> like, I don't know what that's. <laughs> and they also don't kill, which Ganondorf and they, also Yeah, they did. also don't kill. Like they're appalled that Ganondorf would kill. Um, there is a Sheikah stone that says that they worship Ganon almost like a god, but I don't think that's always true. I think the hint that we get is that the Gerudo captain that we fought called Naburu exalted, like the exalted second in command. Right. Um, and when you talk to Naburu, she's like, Oh yeah, I hate Ganondorf. <laughs> like, but, but everyone else thinks that she loves Ganondorf. Um, and I think that that's part of a manipulation that's being run by some characters we haven't met yet. Um, but yeah, like, I think this is like the critical failure. Um, the other one and this is more of a personal opinion, but I think that the other one has to do with their, um, uh, I guess their way of continuing their race. And, uh, I mean, the fact that it at some point gets directed at Link at a very inappropriate time. Um, and I think that is a little bit darker. That's a little bit more messed up, a little bit of a challenging thought <laughs> to be thinking about, but I don't know. Like that's, that's part of my opinion on like, okay, where, where is the foolishness of this people? And I think that's like, they don't have, they don't have a sense of family really. Like it seems like they, they do everything as a community, which is respectable. Right. But they don't really have, they don't really have families. Like they're just, they're just here and they're like a warring race. That's just always, always got their defenses up, always ready for some kind of action. And it's like, well, you're not going to really build relationships that way. You know, I don't know. That's, that's just me. <laughs> but, um, but I think that it's a good yeah. idea again, like all of these dichotomies and the colors are like about balance. So it's not like their problem is that they're too zealous. It's like, they don't have a balance of ze of zeal and wisdom. It's like, you know, like it's like the Gorons and the, and the Kokri, right? Like they need to have a balance of power and courage. You can't just have all one or all the other. Um, same with the truth and justice. Like you have all one or all the other. You're going to, you're going to have problems if you don't have a balance of both of them. So, yeah. And, um, I guess the coolest part about all that is when you put them all together, what you get is light. Like that's the visible light spectrum. So you throw them all together. It makes it very confusing because there's a light temple and like, there's a, there's a weird distinction that the game tries to make between the light that you actually use to fight Ganondorf and what the light temple is and like who's in charge of each and all of that. But we'll get into that next episode. But, um, 
but yeah, the yeah. art of this game and the complexity and like the things that they decided to work in, I just feel like are are blow away. Yeah, they definitely uh you know, being in the 90s, they did their research. They weren't just making a game that, you know, was in their minds. I mean, they probably had books upon books upon books of research when they were creating this game. Like this this game was unlike any of the I think three Zelda games that came before. Yeah, three Zelda games that came before it. Uh not even it being the first like 3D game, but I want to say A Link to the Past had a very direct story. There wasn't much to wonder on or figure out in A Link to the Past or the other ones. It was really straightforward. This game had that, but it almost had a, you know, like Dark Souls feel where you have to dig, you can dig for other stuff in this game, which I, I don't know, it just makes it, these topics come out, these topics that we're talking about, you know, it just makes you wonder. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now that I've gone through my whole rant, I guess we can actually go to the temple now. <laughs> yeah, those silver gauntlets that Nebiru talks about. Get them. Where they have power, unbeknownst. And she tells us, hey, you're small enough to fit in this little crawl space right here. Why don't you go get this treasure? And then she's just like, hey. Don't steal those. Don't think that you're going to get these for yourself because you're going to give those to me. Actually, what did she say exactly? And she just tells you that you're not keeping them. She said, if, if you get them, you're not going to be able to wear them because they're for an adult. And if you get them for me, I'll give you something good. Yeah. Which we learn what that might be yeah, later. Yeah, says hmm Yeah, she said for... First, she says, um, you know, I want you to be a good boy and give them to me. And then after you reply that you will, she's like, thanks, kid. You and I, let's give Ganondorf and his followers a big surprise, shall we? Uh, if you can successfully get the silver gauntlets, I'll do something great for yeah. you. Which, I mean, is very ambiguous. It's very, like, open-ended. Like, it could mean anything. Most people interpret it one way. Um, it's very bad. I think that's definitely... <laughs> Sort of along the lines of what they mean later on in that other scene. Yeah, no, they clarify this later, which is why yeah. most people interpret it the one way. So I think for time's sake, let's just uh, not really worry about the actual rooms here. Just kind of go over the talking points of this temple. Um, there's a lot of enemies that we've seen before. I mean, you have... Blade Traps, Keese, Armos, Stealthos, Green Bubbles, Lizophos, Beemos, the list. Flame Slugs later on. Yeah, and the adult side. I mean, this temple just keeps going with the list of enemies. Um, But one of the weirdest things that I noticed in this temple, which I didn't notice before, was how creepy the sun symbols are when you actually shine light onto them. I mean, I never noticed that. They're just, there's no real expression on their face and then you shine light onto their face and you get the creepiest expression of a smile once you light them up i don't know if you guys noticed that i mean yeah i mean they, they light up they're, they're happy about it i don't know <laughs> on the 3ds version it doesn't really look that creepy i don't think okay so on the version i'm playing which is the n64 for the wii u it was very creepy looking, like a Majora's Mask type smile deal. 
is what it looked like. I gotcha. Um, like like these sons be plotting behind your back. Yeah, like oh, you gave me sunlight. You about to regret that kind of smile. I, I think regret it. One of the coolest things about this is that you're even using sunlight. Like the fact that this is the temple. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, there's a lot of mirrors and light and like shining things onto the sunbeams to have them open up like you know like again like there's no actual temple that we have to work our way through to represent the light temple um so here we are like we've gotten through the shadow temple and we're now doing a bunch of puzzles that involve light like um and again like i know that they make that distinction between like the light that raru wields and the light that um we use to fight ganondorf but like um in this instance it's like you find that the gerudo have their own entire relationship with light um and again just kind of plays into that like these are noble thieves like they have their own system of beliefs and apparently this is a part of it like it it, it also i mean this is based on egyptian <laughs> architecture as well which again plays into like the use of mirrors in the first place um because they, I believe, had copper mirrors that they would use to actually light the insides of buildings, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they also had yeah. copper wiring systems that went up the pyramid of Giza and uh, reacted with the limestone at the top to have lightning. Uh, just basically draw rain clouds and lightning to the area so that it would rain. It, like, they were genius. Wow. Absolute geniuses. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, there's not really much else to say about this child portion of the game, of the part, until we get to the certain point. There is, however, a new enemy, and these are called Anubises, and they are exactly what you think. It's like a mummy wrapped up to look like Anubis, and it's floating. Ah. Mm -hmm. The easiest way that you can deal with these floating abominations. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> actually, to run around the room and hit the crystal switch on the other side of the room, which will then spawn a firewall, and you can actually, since they copy everything you do, you can actually just they run them you. right into this firewall and actually destroy them. The harder way to deal with these guys is dense fire. I think Dense Fire is easier. I'm sorry. No, it is. I'm just doing a play because <laughs> there there is another way to defeat them. And actually, that way to defeat them comes in handy when there's, you're an adult. There's a room of three of them. But yeah. for now, Dense Fire definitely is just, it boom, demolishes them. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's weak, the new enemy. weak to fire specifically. I think if you talk to mm -hmm. Navi on them, they basically say, yep, weak to fire, use fire. Yeah. So Navi's dealt with, <laughs> has dealt with Anubis's before. <laughs> Where he knows. Now he's been in this spirit temple. Our our battle hardened fairy friend. Man, yeah, how do you think that they like got the knowledge? These fairies got the knowledge on like all the enemies and all the monsters across the land. Like, did Deku Tree just uh, give them like an encyclopedia to read or something? Like, I have uh, no idea. They're just all knowing, but they have no power to do with that knowledge. Hmm. True. Have you seen them try to attack something? They just kind of fly into it and boop. Uh, yeah, just like, yeah. Oh, they probably weigh like 0.2 of a gram or an ounce. <laughs> um, very light. So yeah, I don't know if there's any other talking points specifically in 
the dungeon side of the child temple. I mean, there's the compass. There's. I mean, there there's is another compass, right? another new enemy that I was is featured there. as the mini boss. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this new enemy is called Iron Knuckle, or as I like to call him, Turn Turn. <laughs> and you, you mean her? <laughs> you mean you like to call her Turn Turn? <laughs> no, seriously, uh, they're all women. <laughs> yeah, sorry. They're... I mean, it's 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 weird for me in this game because like they're in every game and like not every yeah, game, they're but not. they're in most Zelda games and they're not women. But in this game, which we will get into later, they're women, which is like okay. Yeah, we weirdly enough, there's like Iron Knuckles and then there's Dark Nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've both kind of taken on different forms, but they're pretty much the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, big armor clad knights. Um, in this one, I guess they've done, they've done things where like you can kind of clip the camera through the helmet and see that it's a, it's a Gerudo character model under there. Um, but even, even so, like at some point during the fight, you'll end up knocking off their armor once they've gotten to a certain damage threshold. And um and you can see that they have the figure more a more feminine figure I'll say their um, shoes also if you look at their shoes well then I night would shoes. have never thought to look at their shoes but okay <laughs> <laughs> they have they have desert Gerudo like shoes like the armor that they wear is like a reminisce of Gerudo shoes the fight yeah. actually takes a long time as a child. Yeah, it's annoying as a kid. Um, really annoying. I just did jump strikes, honestly. I use bombs. <laughs> jump strikes. Yeah. Just bomb the mess out and of And regular dudes. slashes sometimes. Don't even get in the danger zone. Just blow them up. I was actually I was circling around him the one time hitting, or circling around her the one time hitting her so many times that she turned to me, to me immediately and just did a swing without even a wind-up because, like, I guess I hit too many times and it's like a, she was an enraged timer or something, and eventually ju- she just turns and does an immediate attack. You, like, basically can't dodge. Yeah, and when you get hit, you get hit. And I was hit. like, oh, it's like four hearts. It's a truck. Yeah. That axe. Ooh. You give Riggedy Racked three heart runs. These are, like, the worst enemy because if they touch you, you're done. It's actually yeah. one well, of my favorite They only have two enemies. attacks. It's either a double forward slash or like a double sweeping strike or like one forward overhead. Yeah, yeah, but you know what else? If you die and then you get resurrected by a fairy, they can just keep swinging and they can just kill you again right there where you stand. Oh, no. It's so <laughs> oh. I don't plan on doing any three heart runs, but that don't sounds die. bad. Don't die. It is, it is bad. Yeah, right? That's the rule. Don't die. Um. But yeah, I mean, I guess it just goes back into that subverting expectations, like using a stereotype and breaking it. Like it's almost the Samus effect, right? Like you see this body of armor that's like massive and you're like, oh, what is this guy? And then like you knock off the armor and you're like, it's not a guy. There's <laughs> a girl. There's a girl. Yeah. And she she's uh, really good at swinging an axe and wrecking people. Which is crazy. And the like, room. You, they can smash through those pillars and get free stuff. Lots of hearts from those pillars. These Garudu thieves and guards, right? They they have like light clothing and uh, they wield shmatars and naginatas. And it's like, 
what conditioning training did those elite ones go through <laughs> to put on like 200 plus pounds of armor and another 75 pound war axe you know <laughs> like yeah what regiment did they go on aside from oh man i don't know if it's just the yeah. power of you know the magic that we'll get into later that's keeping them in the armor or what but yeah, yeah I, don't know. I don't know. I I get the feeling like this is more like when Ganondorf's minions take away the uh take the Gorons to to the dungeons or you know defeated all the guards in Hyrule Castle like the Moblins might have been a part of it part of it but I think that this was probably like Ganondorf's actual forces straight <laughs> up like dark nuts just on the scene yeah like had if be. I was a guard in a back alley I'd get wrecked <laughs> like what what are you gonna do. <laughs> Oh man! Oh dang! Is that a nut? That churn churn <laughs> coming to you? <laughs> nah, that's a knuckle baby. <laughs> that's a whole knuckle. Um. So yeah, we beat the dude. Or I mean, the dudette, actually. I call everyone dude though. But yeah, we beat the dudette, and we walk out of that room, and we see a nice treasure chest there. But before we can, you know, access the treasure chest. We get a greeting by an old friend who annoyed us in the very beginning of the game called Kapora Gabora. Do we see him first? Is that how that plays out? Yeah. I think he's first, yeah. And then you get him after because he wants to talk to you real bad. <laughs> okay. Like he's, been, he's been dying to talk to you, man. He's been itching. You've been an adult for us? so long. Oh, there uh, it is. I found it in my text. You got thing. it. Uh, a long time in this world is almost nothing to you, is it? How mysterious. Even though I thought that the tales of the boy who could travel back and forth through time was merely a legend. Link, you have fully matured as an adult. From now on, the future of all the people in Hyrule is in, on your shoulders. Uh, maybe it's not my time anymore. Here is my last advice. Two witches inhabit this temple. In order to destroy them, turn their own magic power against them. Hoo hoot. And then he asks if you want to hear that again, Ooh. because that's his Did you get all that? Thing. <laughs> And then he tells you he'll continue to watch you, and he flies off. Um, wow. Pretty All right. Advice. So, so yeah, it, irony, right? Like, so you're Kid Link, and you get told that you've fully matured as an adult. That's that's one thing. Um, what do you think is up with that line, maybe it's not my time anymore? Like, was Gabora like, the guardian of Hyrule? And now he's like, oh, Link's here. We're good. It doesn't seem quite right because I know the, the the going theory is that Gabora Gabora is Raru, and they kind of confirmed that. I mean, they did confirm it in Hyrule Historia, but I don't yeah. take Hyrule Historia as like the law. <laughs> like, there's a lot of stuff in those books. There ain't like, the oh, law around really. these parts. No, because sometimes it contradicts Parker. the text of the game straight up. Like, it just does. Um. I mean, I've kind of taken on that that thought process of them being linked, but it it seems weird that Raru would tell you this and like, you know, I don't know, and and yeah, still be the same person. Yeah, it just seems it seems incongruous. I think <laughs> um, maybe, yeah, maybe he was. You know, we don't really know. I just think that maybe he could have been like a warrior or like a chosen guardian of some sort. Maybe he was a past sage and maybe not. Maybe he was just a man who was transformed into an owl. Maybe he was always supposed to serve as a guide 
Like they never really go into his background. You're just sort of left to speculate. Yeah. Just you, you get through the first part of the game. It's like, Oh, by the way, giant owl going to help you. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. I had a giant tree. Now I got a giant owl. Yeah. The next guardian seems legit. Of Link. Um, but yeah, so you talk to him, that happens, and then you go back, you get the silver gauntlets. And I wanted to say, you know, this is a point I literally thought about in this playthrough with the silver gauntlets. But you know how they're supposed to make everything you do stronger, right? Because Yeah. So then why, when you're wearing them as an adult, they don't make your sword strengths 10 times, like cut through solid rock, you know? Like they should make your swing insanely strong if you could push a boulder with them why can't you swing a sword with the power of a god is my point i think uh, um i think link is just too respectful of the master sword man don't want to break it <laughs> what about the big oron sword <laughs> don't want to break that one either he's seen, he's seen how the giant's knife see, do its thing you see actually the the silver gauntlets don't have the best grip so you swing it too fast and it just goes flying out of your hands so. in fact oh no at, at this point <laughs> You know, at this point, he's got the silver gauntlets, right? He don't even need the master sword. He does. He's one punch man with those things. He punched Ganondorf in the face <laughs> yeah. once. Ganon's done. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the boxing match that's, to end it all. That's hilarious because yeah. that's isn't that what they give you like in like in certain boxing rings? Like if you if you like place in in like a championship, like you get the silver mittens or something. Like you get or the gold mittens based on how you place. Like you basically get a necklace with like little like emblem mitts on it. So he straight up has the silver mitten. Like <laughs> apparently he's the second strongest boxer in all of Hyrule, <laughs> at least for now. I can, yeah. I can just imagine that getting to the end. It's like, Oh man, we're fighting Ganon. All right. All right. Put him up. Ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> you got like Impa massaging your shoulders in the corner. You've got this. Like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway. So the silver gauntlets are very situational and don't actually help you as much as you would hope. <laughs> they just let you push big rocks. You could already push big rocks, but now they're bigger rocks. Yeah, push big blocks and lift big rocks, baby. <laughs> That's right. Living, oh my living goodness. the thug life. Link gonna be helping rebuild Hyrule with them gauntlets after. <laughs> <laughs> this is the work the, of 20 men. We'll put this castle back together. Don't worry about it. <laughs> be so useful for the carpenters oh yeah right so yeah um so you get these and we kind of yeah the cutscene right afterwards where those two those two evil witches that the owl was telling us about show up literally just mentioned yeah um i don't know about you guys but go ahead oh no i was just gonna say like this this specific cutscene like it's not represented in any Disney movie, but I got mad Disney vibes from the cutscene. Like just the two witches. I mean, you can explain the cutscene, but like there's just two witches and the black magic circle, and I just got mad Disney vibes. I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I feel like it could be in a well, Disney movie. It's kind of like they captured Naburu. Disney yeah. elements, you know. I mean, like there's kind of an Arabian Nights feel to the whole area that we're in. You know, mm-hmm. the band of thieves and everything. Um, I mean, witches and dark magic show up in Disney movies every once in a while. Um, so I get it. I mean, there's a lot of 
a lot of themes here that might be reminiscent of something you've seen with a Disney title block. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you, you literally like, um, like Nabooru is out there. She's like, you fiends, Ganondorf minions. Right. And she tells you to get out of here. Like these witches, they're going to use black magic. And they're just um, flying around going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they basically just like suck her into the sand, I guess. I mean, it's not into the sand. It's like a black magic portal of some kind that she gets drawn into. It's the shadow room. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she goes straight to Twilight. <laughs> Get out of here. A link between worlds uh, realm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, it's um, but uh, she she disappears for the time being. For all intents and purposes, we don't know where she went. Um, yeah, it's a low rule. Yeah. So the other thing we have is on the <laughs> get out of here with that. So the other thing we have <laughs> is um. <laughs> Yeah, or, or Termina, I guess. I don't know. That's where they show up next anyway. But, um, yeah. So, the other thing that we had, like, if you go back into the front entrance of the temple, is a big old block. And um, it's one that we can, I think we can get the prompt to push it, but we can't actually push it. Um, so, putting mm-hmm. two to two together, these I can wear these gauntlets as an adult, and then adults can move heavy things with these gauntlets. So, maybe, just maybe. If I come back with the right set of gloves, I'll, I'll get the upper body strength to just shove this big block around. And so that's what you do. And we you go get into swole. yeah, you get swole by putting on some gloves, and we uh, we get straight into the second half of the dungeon, which plays a lot like the first half. Um, it's just you're in a belt now, and you can do more things. You could do more things. There's new enemies too, by the way. There's like Wolfos and. And uh, like likes, there's a lot of like likes. Don't there's know why there's so many like likes. Yeah, where was that by the way? The, like first or second room, he's just there, and you're like, but why? Like, would it, bro? <laughs> yeah, you're just like walking up to this chain link bridge, and all of a sudden you're, you're like, oh, hi. Yeah, uh, I, I'll stab sir. you in the back. That's cool. <laughs> Is that on the adult um, yeah. side? I thought that was on the kid side. Maybe no, I'm it's on the adult side. No, I remember doing a jump slash with the big Goron sort of being like, wow, that was kind of overkill. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure a regular slash is a one shot, so I kind of just a blur. Yeah, if you do a, a jump strike with the Kokiri sword, I think you can get him with one shot. So like, yeah, yeah you done. Yeah, you done killed a few I did, wolf I did, like, on one. Absolute max damage. It's brutal too if you long shot him to freeze him and then go behind him and just do that, like do the the super backslash yeah, oh that's, man that's that mortal combat method <laughs> yeah that's the fatality i think i did eight wolfos worth of damage in that strike <laughs> my math is right you sent him to a new dimension <laughs> send him to the shadow realm yeah yeah uh, i got uh this specific adult side like the rooms and the puzzles and the traps i got like mad indiana jones Vibes you know what, there's something I forgot to mention actually about the Lizalfos in the kid section. Now that we have the boomerang as a kid, we can hit the Lizalfos with the boomerang and put them into like a funny pose that also freezes them for way long enough to de- be able to do a jump strike. So Lizalfos are actually super easy at this point in the game with the boomerang. Yeah. Yeah. Lizalfos are punks now. Yeah, they're chumps. <laughs> they're chumps. Um, I mean, that's fine. I mean, we get, the, we get the mirror shield. 
We do get the mirror shield after fighting the uh, the easier version of the dark nut, only or the iron knuckle, only easier because we're an adult. Oh, and the mirror shield has the Gerudo symbol on it again. If it's, as if the membership card wasn't enough, now we are going to walk around with the literal sign on our back at all times. It it almost is like a a trading of allegiances because <laughs> if you're like if you're using the high you know the high ruling shield you have all the symbols of the kingdom and if you use the mirror shield you have all the symbols of the gerudo um which is kind of cool honestly like i think that that's you know again like these are these two kingdoms that i mean some people argue that they weren't the two that were warring in the civil war but i'm 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 pretty convinced that it's a more interesting <laughs> story if they were um if if that's how links branding himself then i was actually a uh like a freelancer for a little bit because I like like took my shield and then I said you know what <laughs> oh, no. I don't actually use the shield because I have the big Goron sword so even though I got it back I didn't re-equip it so I didn't have a shield so I was a freelancer <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'll accept any hero yeah the hero I don't need a kingdom <laughs> yeah, I'm not the hero of Hyrule I'm not the hero of the Gerudo I'm just Link the hero <laughs> thank you <laughs> time transcends all <laughs> I still yet to have a like like take my stuff this this time around. You you actually get the like to the end of the dungeon really quick after getting the uh, mirror shield. Yeah, because you yeah. I mean like there's a couple more puzzles that you need to like shine light onto things. Yeah, but um, it's pretty simple. It's like five yeah. to ten minutes worth of dungeon, and you're at the boss. There's a second iron knuckle that right. You have to fight somewhere along the way, and uh, now right you can end. use. Well, there, there's two yeah. in the adult side. Well, yeah, you fight one as a kid, one as an adult, and then the next one is literally you have to use the boss key and go into the boss room yeah, and yeah, you yeah, fight yeah. the Iron Knuckle, then the boss. Yeah, yeah, so the one there, I mean, you're an adult now, you can use uh, Nehru's love to actually make you invincible and don't, like, <laughs> take total advantage of it because you can still get knocked down on your butt. Uh, yeah, with those axe swings, back. yeah, but it makes the fight a lot easier, for sure. Yeah, Nehru's love kind of makes all the fights easier if you use it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, not so much like Bongo Bongo, because if you're using one type of magic, they usually will take away your lens of truth. But you know, for anything else, <laughs> it seems to help. You know, it's funny enough. We actually there's a new enemy that we haven't seen yet <laughs> that we kind of have seen, but. Okay. It was never officially a new enemy yet. It's just going to be stupid. Okay, but... You're talking about the rocks. Um, no, no. So, oh, okay, great. <laughs> the new enemy that we've never seen before is a bubble. And the reason I say this... What? No, I know, I know. Because we've seen blue bubbles, we've seen red bubbles in the fire temple... We've seen green bubbles in this temple as well as the uh, spirit or forest temple. Yeah. <laughs> These are new They're enemies. The They're bubbles that don't have any coloring around them. They just fly around. Uh, oh, I think it was the room. Yeah. Don't the, they the call light them light room? bubbles? I, I just think they call them bubbles, to be honest. But yeah, they don't oh, they fly around. Sure. They're colorless bubbles. Yeah, they don't yeah. have any flames. It sh I think Navi just says attack them when they stop moving because at some point they'll like freeze in midair or something like that and you can just attack them. It's so weird. Yeah, but they're actually kind of quite more annoying than just all the other bubbles, to be honest, for me. 
Yeah, they're harder to see because they're not lit up. But the light will freeze them. So if like you get them oh, in the light, it. it freezes I had so them much for, range like, on the Bigoran sword that I swept and killed two of them on my first swing, and the last one I just stabbed forward and got them. Nice. I got lucky. <laughs> Cameron Slayer of Bubbles. <laughs> yes, I'm Bubble Slayer. Oh, another funny thing. I don't know if you guys did, but you remember the room with the slugs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Please tell doors. me you guys Megaton hammered that. Um, I might have. Please tell me you guys did know. that. I mean, they're pretty. Oh easy my to god, kill it was it. hilarious. But they all flip, right? I know, but. <laughs> You use the Megaton hammer and they all flip on their back and get paralyzed and you just go to each one and just kill them. Oh, I didn't do that. It's so brutal. Oh, it's so brutal. Yeah, the slugs are slugs are silly. It made me laugh hammer. hard. But we we can see yeah, that uh, the Gerudo hard. are also big practitioners of the fake doors because this room, they decided to cramp them <laughs> yeah. all into one room. Real fake doors. <laughs> yeah. Um. Speaking of the Gerudo and fake doors, um... I guess we've mentioned this like way back at the Deku Tree episode, but like all of the blocks and all of the switches in these temples have the Gerudo symbol on them. Um, yeah. And almost every temple. Well, there's a time block. Yeah, there's time blocks too, <laughs> um, which is another thing because that would be the royal family, right? Um, and then there are like Sheikah stones in almost every temple. Um, there's usually like maybe only like one or two, but they're there. Um, which kind of makes me think that like everybody throughout history has at some point either owned or used one of these temples. Um, cause I don't think like, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think Ganondorf went to each place and was like, Oh, we're going to set some traps. Like <laughs> we're going to put a switch on the ground that opens up a <laughs> we're door. Get him today. Hunting <laughs> me some cokery. He'll never get through here if we put a block puzzle in the way. <laughs> like, I don't think that's, <laughs> I think he, he cursed each place with some kind of monster, some kind of whatever, but I don't think that he actually like set all that stuff. Like, I think that's actually the handiwork of the Gerudo from like ancient history. Like, I think that all, all the people have been around forever. I think wherever you see, like, even like the eye switches that you have to shoot with a bow, like, I think that's Sheikah. Like, I think that that was the, the idea of yes, that. Is that the sure. Sheikah puzzle element? Um, so I don't know what everybody in all of these places was trying to hide or trying to protect or what, but, um, but it seems like there's a collaborative effort <laughs> that somewhere in history took place where, where different peoples came and like contributed something to each temple. Um, yeah. And each temple has like a really good, like weapon or unique item in it. So it's like, they left this as something that somebody could use as like a shrine or a, like a test of courage or a test of power, or a test of whatever it is to find this item and also prove themselves worthy to get to like the deepest sanctum, which is probably not where a corrupted boss of evil should be. But you know, since we tend to go there after they've been corrupted, that's how it, it ends up being. But that would ultimately yeah, be like further. the deepest sanctum where you would do whatever you went there to do at a temple, which would probably be like to pray or something. But we end up fighting a boss. Even <laughs> right. Further, that point that you just mentioned, uh, you know, all of the shrines, the Sheikah shrines in Breath of the Wild, you know, is a test of courage, wisdom or whatever in and of itself, you know, with the puzzles you have to do in those shrines. True. So it could very well be that the Sheikah you know, of the past made these to, you know, do 
those courage tests, those power tests. Yeah, and, that's and a, lo- a lot of the tests set up in the way that the blocks are laid are not, like, deadly ones. They're more like ones to just, like, test you. It's more so the mm-hmm. monsters that Ganon infected the temples with that are the actual, like, threat to your life. Right. So it makes sense that all those mm-hmm. traps set up might be there, like, like as a test, and not one that's, like, trying to Indiana Jones-style kill you with booby traps. That's more Ganon's thing. Right. Well, and- <laughs> there was the room in this temple with oh, like the sh- the the shadow four t- or five rocks oh yeah no the this temple the the adult side where all the rocks were like indiana jones rolling around the room if you remember it it's like oh yeah yeah. yeah yeah that yeah. room i had to do a I had to do a full like roll jump and then do a slash at a certain point in the jump in order to get the one coin that was like floating in the air is that how you're supposed to do that um because uh, i couldn't I figure know. out how else to get it it was like you There's... can't jump in zelda so you I can, did a, um, a super jump and then a, like a jump slash, which extends your jump a tiny bit. If you go back up, like, before the boulders, um, I think you can hover boots your way out there. Um, oh, hover boots. Yeah, that would probably work. I totally forgot about those. Yeah. And so I ended up getting it a, a speedrunner technique. If, jump, jump, strike. Yeah, if you jump and then, like, not at the zenith of the jump, but also not when you're too low. So, like, when you're three quarters up, like, towards the end of, like, as on the descend. Yeah. And you do, you press the B button the first time, it takes your sword out. And the second time, you start a jump slash, but it resets your falling momentum and you gain a little bit of distance. So I was able to nab it that way instead of using the hover boots. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of speedrunners mm. use that kind of jump for, for breaking the game in certain ways to get through things yeah, faster. for getting just a little farther to the spot where they didn't intend you to be able to get. But if you mess it up in those areas where speedrunners do it and you do it too early or late, you'll sword bounce off of the, the surface you're trying to get to and then bounce down to wherever you probably don't want to be. Yeah. Those are the tough ones. It's wild. It's fun if you can pull it off, but it's wild. You know, yeah, it was it was fun to do. I can't believe I didn't even think of the hover boots though. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I've gotten that just by jumping, but like if you're telling me you can't get there just by jumping, I think hover boots would be no, the next thing I would think of. You can't just jump. Yeah, probably is. You do have to use the hover boots a few times in there. Hmm. Well, there you have it, folks. I was wrong at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> You do need the hover boots to do this temple, apparently. Or speedrun tactics. Or, well, I guess not if not if you jump and then do a jump strike. Yeah, not if you're an uh, awesome guy. It took me two tries, so. I gotcha. Could definitely mess it up. Do some backflips. Maybe you get more distance that way. Do some backflips. Woo! Side jump off the ledge, you know. There's a bunch of ways to get more distance. <laughs> Um, but yeah, do we have anything else to kind of go over here? Or no, nah, I guess it's, it. it's kind of cool right before the boss room, how you melt the face off of the giant statue in order to like actually yeah. show where the boss room is. That's, um, that's one mm-hmm. of the cooler puzzles. I mean, you literally deface <laughs> the statue on the inside of the temple, <laughs> but it seems like it was made to do that. I don't know. Maybe it's just... I, I get the impression that it's just been sitting there so long that it just needed something to mess it up and like you shine light on it and like just the temperature differential from having light on it causes it to just crumble away. I'm a little warmer now. Oh, jeez. Because I don't know. I mean, that's it's one of the coolest doors, but you do end up like destroying one of the sand goddess statues to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to. 
You do. You do have to. Then you hookshot your way on over, open up the door, and knuckle time. I thought it was really cool that you were actually going into, uh, like, the snake's pit, for example, you know? Because, like, you, you saw the bosky thing, so it's like, you're going into the snake's mouth, the snake's pit, the cobra pit, however you were. Yeah, it's the, um, you know, the hood. You know this is going to be a fight. It's the hood of the king cobra. Yeah. So that's what's left when the face goes away. It's snake away. It's, it's so cool, the symbolism. It's snake away. It's uh, the dead well, vipers. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Not really, but we, I mean, they're uh, cobras, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We pretty much already covered the uh, Iron Knuckle fight, so I guess we can just go into Twin Rova. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, the Iron Knuckle fight, I mean, you find out that it's Naburu. Like, she was not only sent to low rule, I guess, but also brought back to be used as a as an Iron Knuckle. Um, she's brainwashed. So, like, it's one of the only Iron Knuckles where after you fight them, like, the all the armor comes off and also they're not dead. So, if you're going to feel guilty about killing some people, I mean, now's the time. Because you definitely did with those other iron knuckles. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, she she comes out and she's like, where have I been? So like, they've had her brainwashed presumably for seven years, just chilling in this room as an iron knuckle. Meanwhile, all of the Gerudo tribe outside are like, oh yeah, Naburu's totally team Ganondorf. And like, these witches have just been like... Oh man, like she's, uh, I mean, because they come out and say it this time around. They're like, oh, like she's, you know, she, like all of the other Gerudo, like really look up to her, you know, like she could be still useful. So, like, clearly they've been playing this con where they're trying to get the rest mm-hmm. of the team to, like, be loyal to Ganondorf through their loyalty to Naburu. Um, and it's working from what we can see. Dark stuff. So, it's really interesting how they had her social manipulation as an Iron Knuckle sitting on the throne of that room too like why is there a throne room there you know what was that used for (laughs) so the iron knuckles can rest man they got all that armor on (laughs) i mean that was that's probably ganondorf's throne right because he used the spirit temple before he moved out oh you think so that's where ganondorf was just chilling the base of operations man he would just sit there and strategize all right now we're gonna go talk to the king and i'm about make it look real good Yeah, you're gonna give me some comrades. <laughs> when I when I give the signal, we're gonna kill everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh goodness. We're gonna coup d'etat day butts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> well, so that happens. Um and they just they, honestly the witches just leave like Well they say they say Link's there, but they say they're gonna brainwash Naburu again and then they both hit her with a spell. I I get the impression that they don't actually both hit her with a spell. Like, I think that she gets – because, like, they have their different color spells that go at her. But when she leaves, like, there's, like, yellow lights that come out to, like, show her getting transported away. And I I like the idea that this was her being summoned as a sage instead. You know, like, like, they tried to brainwash her and it was like, zip, off to the Chamber of Sages. There you go. Um, I know that's a spoiler for after the fight, but um, I don't know. That's <gasps> that's my take on this. I know there's been a, a, a lot of discussion about whether or not the sages are dead <laughs> um, when they get transported. Yeah. And um, like, this is yeah. one of the big things that theorists love to jump into. And I, I'm of the opinion that they're not. 
I mean, it seems like their purpose changes. It's like they're not dead, but they're not alive. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're in a different... It's like they're suspended. Like, almost in a different dimension or something, right? I mean, they go into the sacred realm. They're um, on pause. They can manifest as, like, a as an apparition in, in the regular realm, because I don't think we have a term for just, like, <laughs> the realm. The high rule realm. The high rule realm. The high realm. They, they in between the high rule and the low rule <laughs> realm. The high realm. Exactly. Um, but I think that, like, inside the sacred realm, that they're just kind of preserved there, and they're not exactly dead, but they're not exactly able to do anything, really, anyway. So, yeah, no, that's, that's my thought on it, because, like, when you yeah, think about it, like, it, like they're just there, like waiting for their time to be used against Ganondorf, and then who knows what'll happen after. Yeah, that's the I, vibe I get. I think the timing of when they're called has has been very confusing because, like, Saria gets called before you even get there. Darunia gets called right after he goes into the boss room. Is what I think happens. I don't think he actually fights. I think he just goes in there and gets called. Um, you know. Uh, Princess Rudo, Rudo. like right as she goes up, she just poofs. Right, there's no, there's there. no enemies in that chamber. <laughs> you know, like she just is like, all right, I'm gonna go up this big silo of water now, and like just isn't there when she explicitly told you, like, hey, I want to show you some stuff. And there's no sign of a struggle mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like she wasn't fighting anything. I think she just got called. Yeah, no, she just poofed. It's a very inconvenient time that makes because sense, that would have been very helpful if she had guided you at least a little bit longer. And then I guess oh, Impa yeah. gets poofed either somewhere on her way to the Shadow Temple or through the Shadow Temple. Right. Um, on her way to try to seal up Bongo Bongo again. They're like, no, that's not your job. <laughs> I never really thought about the time that they actually suddenly went from being a physical person to being a sage. But yeah, I it never makes either. sense that when they did that, because it doesn't look like the same dark portal they used the first time. It doesn't really match up with their magic elements, like you said, Fonz. It's like light. And they seem to either be focusing on what we're going to see soon, fire, ice, or darkness. So yeah. that doesn't match up with any of their attributes. So that could be, like, Raru or whatever pulling them into the sage dimension. Like, alright, you've been through enough. Get in here. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You've been stuck for seven years. We've been looking for you. <laughs> Naburu, yeah, where you been? Exactly. We're not going to let you disappear again. Get in here. You've been away for like, you've been awake for three <laughs> seconds and pull you in. Can you imagine? She's like, is stuck in a brainwashed state for seven years and then she goes and leaves her physical body behind to become a I was, like, right I was out, what a life. I was outside the temple. Now I'm inside the temple and I feel really dizzy. Now I'm in a blue room with a bunch of other people. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I move from this one spot that's got this orange color? Hmm. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, so you get this fantastic cutscene and then you basically go into the next room. I don't even think the witches explain that they're gonna be waiting for you or anything. They're just like, yeah, No, whatever. they don't. They say no, they're gonna they let leave. your minion they literally they're gonna leave. let their minion take care of you and then they disappear and that's it. That's all you see of them until this room. Yeah, you go through a hallway, climb up a wall and then there they are waiting for you and then they start cackling like like witches and do we ever say their names uh Kom and Kotaku the Sorceress sisters twin Rova Koma and oh, Kotaku okay. Yeah Kom gotcha. and Kotaku but <laughs> it's not it's not Kotaku Oh it's not <laughs> it's Koma and Kotaku Kotake Kotake <laughs> I thought it was Kotaku like <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> the online one yeah i know i know i got i got distracted <laughs> there um yeah they're Kom and kotake and when you first see them i they 
they were like, we're going to use our witch powers. And then one of them goes Super Saiyan God, <laughs> and the other one goes Super Saiyan Blue. Yeah. yeah. They call you a stupid kid. They say you've, you've come to offer yourself as a sacrifice to the great Ganondorf. So, like, when the Sheikah Stones were like, oh, the the Gerudo worship Ganondorf like a god, I think they, they really just meant Kotaki and Koume worship Ganondorf yeah. like a god. Um, I don't think the rest of them do. Um, no. And it seems like the rest of them are being manipulated through through yeah, Naburu. We about yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is through these witches. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. So, Evil. So, yeah, they, they, you know, one of them says he's like, with my flame, or with my, yeah, sorry, with my flame, I will burn him to the bone. And the other one's with, with my frost, I will freeze him to his soul. Which is like, excuse you <laughs> to my soul like what does that mean um super frozen you you think the opposite would be what they would do you think you'd be frozen to the bone or burned to the soul because like how are you gonna freeze a soul anyway whatever i'll incinerate your soul <laughs> i think it's off the line of frozen to your core gotcha like your very being mm-hmm. froze right so she's gonna give you hypothermia yeah, so so if you remember what... Well, they're not actually twin Rova until they, you know, do the next thing. Well, but it does yeah, intru- they're it introduces them Rova. in the beginning as Sorceress Sisters Twin Rova. Oh. Uh, yeah, so there's two Rovas, and you see them here. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's Rova Kawume and Rova Kotake, I guess. And they combine into the grand... Wait, wait, but you missed yeah. the attack name. <laughs> into the world's greatest... <laughs> you missed it. It's the double dynamite attack, Twin Rova. It's like oh, some geez. might guy stuff from Naruto. Oh, no. Double dynamite attack. Rova. That's what they say. Sounds like a line that Guy Fieri would have come up with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> double dynamite flavor town. Like, what are you so, talking about? <laughs> in this battle, we have to reflect laser beams at the other old lady from the old lady that's shooting the laser beams. You say, oh, we mean it. If we're using our scientific terms. And there is something you can do to actually help you in this fight. If you use the hookshot on one that you're targeting, or you know, if you just hit one with the hookshot, they'll keep spinning in place for about like two to three seconds, and you could keep repeating it and refreshing that two to three seconds, and it can help you keep one in a spot that will actually be hittable. And reflectable because sometimes they'll go to the complete opposite side and you get hit in the back if you're yeah. just aiming onto the opposite one. So you can help keep it in or keep her in the spot that you need to keep her in to deal the damage for as long as you need to before you actually end up reflecting the uh, the beam. Yeah. So Kapura Kabora, our faithful tip owl, has given us the the tactic of like hit one with the other one's magic. Really, he just said to hit hit them with their own magic as if like they were all each together i guess going to have one collective spell um but that is not how that works not yet anyway so yeah you just you just reflect them stuff at each other wait i mean okay rewind pretty 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 good metaphor right here like of like bouncing their attack back at them. like you are you are literally making them take a good look at themselves <laughs> like it's just yeah, like right? the the boss battle the boss battle of hypocrisy, man. Like it's just straight up. Like here's a mirror. <laughs> How about you deal with Jones? Literally, <laughs> Link is rubber, and they are glue. Yeah, it's funny how much damage you do to them without actually attacking them in this fight. I think it's um, 
I don't know. It's a really good point. I think it goes back to that, like lacking in lacking in wisdom, uh, kind of thing. Like they're they're super fired up about like trying to kill you, but they're not very smart about how they go about it because they have the spirit. Like they they, they get hit by the same trick over and over again. Yeah, you'd think if they just fired at the same time, which shouldn't really take that much brain power, <laughs> that Link wouldn't be able to do anything except just either block or get hit. Yeah. And that eventually he would fall. But nah, they take turns. <laughs> they take they take turns. They're not unified. <laughs> and once you get like a combined five or six hits, they all of a sudden decide to do the fusion dance and become one considerably younger being. She also like winks. winks yeah, I was going to say. Winks, <laughs> she winks at you. She doesn't even look like the other Gerudo. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what? She reminds me of a great fairy, but, like, the evil version of a great fairy. No, she looks like they tried to personify the beauty of, like, her face. Made her eyes more tilted and have, like, a lot of not not taken up eyelash. Yeah, no, she's... Like, with her eye being open. She's she's disproportionate in the way ca- comic book characters <laughs> tend to be. Like, she's just... <laughs> Just yeah, no. It, it's definitely like th- th- what they were going for is is very plain to see. Um, it's not great. Interesting thing about this fight is that the first three times she attacks, because now she's half fire and half ice, she has a wand in each hand. Whenever she attacks the first time, she'll always use the same three elements, and you want to absorb it into your shield, and it'll automatically fire back after your third time. But after that, it's random which one she chooses. But I happen to get the speedrunner's dream of three fire, which is guaranteed, into six ice attacks in a row. So I was able to just absorb three ice attacks, get my hits off, three more ice attacks, get my hits off. I didn't even have to dodge a single attack. It was just everything that I wanted it to be. A perfect fight. Nice. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the the gist of it i mean the fight has just been about using the elements and reflecting them back and doing all that i mean so uh, we get a really silly cutscene after this because they split back up <laughs> yes. um and they're like oh now we're really gonna get serious right and then um <laughs> then they realize that they have halos <laughs> above their heads <laughs> um so i guess like we've murdered our next couple of people <laughs> I think uh, it's obligatory that we all have to pretend to be in a fight like them right now. What do you mean? Oh, you want to do uh, some? You want to do some voice acting? Uh, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Anthony, where are you? Because <laughs> that's what they sound like, saying stupid stuff like "I hate you." I've always not liked you. Ever, and then all of a sudden they stop, and they start going up into the light, and they go. Kind of yeah. like they're uncomfortable about it. They, they argue. <laughs> like, oh, this, this is happening. Yeah, one of them's like, I'm only 400 years old. And the other one's like, and I'm just 380 <laughs> years old. And then they get into an argument about that. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. They're twins. But one is like, how could you treat your older sister like that? And they're like, We're twins. How can you be older? How could you lie about your age? <laughs> yeah, so they get into the big fight and then they go up into the light. So, so again, like why they're the evil they're evil witches right so why why do they get halos and go upward like what like how does that work i have a theory but i'm kind of gonna dump it in a little bit not right now 
Well, I was going to say, Just, they, uh, I don't know if you remember what they said, um, but they said that they will haunt you. Like, they're going to be back. Yeah. So that's actually foreshadowing, by the way, for the next games in this series. Majora's Mask? Yes and no. They also are a boss in Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons as well. Yeah, Majora's Mask, they don't haunt you, though. No, but... They actually help you. They're still annoying in that game. It's weird that they're one of the only characters that aren't named any different, which would uh, imply that they are actually the same people. Um, so that's weird, but... You know, why not? Um, yeah, so so after this fight, I mean, one, one th- yeah, no, never mind. I'll save that for later. So after this fight, we uh, we get to go back to the Chamber of Sages again. We get our fancy, fancy single heart piece for killing two old ladies. Um, <laughs> doesn't really make sense, but that's okay. Doesn't need to. Heart container. It's a, it's a boss fight. We get a heart container. Um. And so we go and we see Naburu appear in the Chamber of Sages. Um, she said, "Kid, let me thank you." And she laughs a little bit. Look what the little kid has become in the past. In, in, yeah, in the past seven years, a competent swordsman. And she seems kind of excited about that. And she said, "By the way, I really messed up. I was brainwashed by those old witches and used by Ganondorf to do his evil will. But isn't it funny that a person like me could turn out to be the Sage of Spirit? And now I'm going to fight them as one of the six sages. <laughs> I'm going to pay them back for what they did to me." He said, um, kid, no, Link, the hero of time, instead of keeping the promise I made back then, I'll give you this medallion, take it. Um, and again, like, okay, so just with this line, it's still ambiguous, it's still fine, you don't know if the something great is going to be. Um, and then you get the spirit medallion, and then you get that last line from Nabooru that just makes everything strange and bad. It says, if only I knew you would become such a handsome man, I should have kept that promise I made back then. Um, it was a kiss. It's just a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know. And that would have been, I don't know, changed their relationship for when he was a handsome man somehow. I don't know. He's already engaged. Ba- basically, it's it's not okay for her to say, because you are handsome, I should have invested in you when you were a kid. That is bad. Oh, goodness. So, anyway. She's a little shallow. <laughs> a little bit. Um. So, anyway. So then Raru kind of steps in and is like, yeah, you got all six of these things. You've all awakened. It's time for the final showdown with the king of evil, right? Um, yeah. And then he says, like, before that, you should come to the Temple of Time because there's somebody waiting for you. Um, and I think that we should save this next part for our next episode. Cool, because I didn't do it. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, yeah, I think if you don't, um, this is one of the only times in the game where they'll actually like, if you save and quit, they'll restart you back at your own house rather than at the temple of time. Um, so that you don't like just pop in on an unset room. Like you're supposed to go in through the front door. I think. Um, oh, that's interesting. I didn't I th- think about that. I think you can warp there, but they're not going to, I think that doesn't let you start the game there. I don't know why. Maybe they just want to make sure that you're in control when it happens. So you like, you know, you choose when you see the scene. Rather than having it spring up on you. Yeah, I remember what happens in this scene, so I figured we didn't want to play it before the next episode. It kind of ties in with where we go from here and not what we just did, more so. Yeah. So, yeah, so theory time, I guess. I mean, we're already past two hours, so, I mean, my goodness, is this going to be an editing nightmare first off and then, you know. Quick theory time. Theory (laughs) times, yep. Okay, so we're at this point. 
Um, we just saw, okay. So one thing we didn't mention was that twin Rova. Um, I don't know if we learned this from a Sheikah stone or what, but, um, is Ganondorf surrogate mother? Um, which means that, I mean, okay, there's one boy born to the Gerudo every hundred years. They've been alive for 380 to 400 years. So they would have seen other Gerudo kings. Um, and reared other Gerudo kings. And there's got to be a reason why to them, Ganondorf is more than a king. He's a, he's like a god to them. Um, and I think that it has something to do with either how he was born or when or what. Like there, there has to be some more to the story that's just not there. Um, maybe he just took to evil a lot quicker and more like naturally than the others. Maybe. I mean, it seems to imply that they taught him magic. Like, Right, like if they were his mother, like they probably taught him how to shoot beams at people. Um, <laughs> I mean, it it seems like okay. So here's here's my here's my like thoughts. I've been thinking about that. Here's what I'm here's where I'm at. I think that during the Civil War, it was the Hyruleans versus the Gerudo. Um, not for great reasons. Like I feel like there was probably plenty of unity before the war. <laughs> um. And I don't know what happened to trigger it, but eventually, like this war broke out. Um, you know, I, you know, Link's mom ends up getting, you know, hurt, goes to the forest, whatever. Like that's a whole kind of subplot to what I'm talking about. But um, I think that, like, in that time, like you, you see the Shadow Temple becoming a thing, right? Like we're we're suddenly we have the Sheikah who are like gaining information by like torturing people, killing people in the, in the shadow temple. Like basically this war is brutal and like not good. And it might've even been unjust. It might've been like just a bad situation all around. Um, but during that time, the Gerudo get the stigma of being thieves and like end up embracing it and, and loving it. Maybe that's not how that plays out. Like that's not my strong point here, but I think that during this fight is when, the Gerudo people end up with uh, a certain kind of vulnerability, a certain like level of, of bitterness and, and oppression that is just like the perfect mix of things for the king of evil to be born. Um, and in this theory, like it kind of relies on Ganon being this like, okay, so in later games, they kind of come up with a new a new form for Ganon. And when we get to our Skyward Sword game, they're going to kind of like, we'll talk more about that. But basically like there's a destiny written where um, the hero of time and the, the spirit of the goddess and all that, which again is a whole other conversation will be reincarnated over and over or what have you. Um, but I think that those things happen in response to the return of, of evil um, in this kind of form. Like the fact that Ganondorf is born as a Gerudo, but also has this, this connotation of this evil spirit Ganon within him. Like, I think that that is something that, that comes through when there's like, when there's this dark kind of situation at hand, right? Like something, something triggers that, that doesn't just happen just because like, I feel like there was a certain, I guess, perfect storm of conditions to allow this king of evil to be born. And I think that twin Rova, you know, and this is probably their fourth or fifth Gerudo king. Um, 
probably saw the birth of Ganondorf as an opportunity to get some kind of revenge for their people or vengeance for their people or what have you. They probably were like, Oh yeah. Like, this is what we need, like to bring our, to bring ourselves back to actually protect us. Like this is, this is the kind of power that can, that can help, you know? Um, which I guess brings me to my point about them kind of getting halos and going upwards. Like I, I think part of what's happening here is that twin Rova um, though their methods are really messed up and like clearly like n- not the, the, maybe the most well thought through and maybe not the wisest decisions. Like, I think that what they did was justified based on what they saw in their lifetime. Um, like, I think that, you know, they're, I mean, 400 years, I mean, living through the civil war and maybe even further, you know, tra- travesties before that, like, they may have been like, you know what, like the, we need to protect what's happening. Like we need, we need this to work. We need Ganondorf to win. Um, and so like, you know, they capture Naburu and they're like, we need her because, you know, like our, our people aren't going to be protected otherwise. Um, you know, like, and I think like Link comes in and they just immediately see you as a threat because at this point you've straight up infiltrated all the way to Ganondorf's hideout. And they're like, you cannot kill Ganondorf. Like we are going to stop you here and now. Um, and of course, like that's a conflict of wills, like where in their eyes, they're like, this is about protection. Like they actually love the Gerudo. Like they want to see good things for them. You know, like they're, they're fighting this fight because they think that's what protecting them means. So I think like the idea of them going to what really, really appears to be like heaven symbology. To me, it only makes sense if these witches aren't actually inherently evil. They're just evil in the perspective of like the 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 good that you are fighting for yourself. You know, um, I'm not really one to think of like perspective evils. Like honestly, that's just not <laughs> like I think that there is a such thing as like true good and true evil. <laughs> um, but I think in this case, like the the conflict itself is justified so their death in that conflict doesn't warrant um i guess that they were necessarily acting out of an evil place um i don't know if that makes sense i mean the game literally calls them evil so i know i'm contradicting the text itself at this point but i don't know that's part of my thoughts on like why like why would there be this blatant contradiction in the game and that's the only reasoning i could really come up with like that they're they're seen as evil by everybody else because they are evil to everybody but the Gerudo, but to them themselves they were doing it out of a place of what they thought was like kindness and goodness so that their souls weren't actually corrupted by malice and evil thoughts because they were doing it out of a place of of good yeah they're they're doing it out of a protectiveness Self-perspective like they perspective good yeah, to them, this was an act of defense. Like, to them, this was protecting the Gerudo. Um, to you, it was supporting the, the literal king of evil, who, yeah. you know, I think was born in a time of conflict, um, a time of darkness, honestly. Like, Hyrule has already kind of gone to pot when Ganondorf shows up on the scene. Yeah. Um, and I mean, honestly, like, just getting into it, just throwing this out there, the title King of Evil, <laughs> It's like straight out the Bible. Like if you ever watch Chronicles of Narnia with like the white witch, you know, like Chronicles of Narnia is a well-known, um, what's it called? A, uh, not a metaphor. I mean, the whole story is kind of a metaphor, but it's a, 
it's like a huge analogy for biblical concepts. <laughs> like the whole thing, C.S. Lewis was just like writing a f- Christian fiction, basically. And the White Witch was basically the Satan character in that book. Um, and as such, she couldn't really ever be gone for good. Like she would come back in, in s- books later on, even after being defeated. Um, because evil will always exist. Like, like she she always had some kind of like even if she was sealed away somewhere or like hidden away like she was still there like she was still somewhere to be found and i think that ganon works the same way and like being born as ganondorf and like having that whole life like every time we see ganondorf like you know there's a ganon somewhere um yeah and i think that it's like a similar concept like as long as there's evil in hyrule there will always be a Ganon. There will always be Ganondorf. Like I've seen a lot of people who are like, I just want a different final boss. You know, like people love it when the boss in a Zelda game is not Ganondorf <laughs> um, because they've used them so many times. But I think like with the concept of what Ganon is, it only makes sense that he be there when there's great evil, you know? And we'll get into that know. when – We'll actually dive into that, why Ganon, you know, is, is reincarnated as this evil in Skyward Sword and what that evil stems from, basically. Yeah. It's really interesting, actually. I, I like the whole aspect that it had, but... Yeah, same. Yeah, I thought, I thought that it added something to the story. Like, again, it's totally extra textual. It's all speculative. It's nothing, like... I I cannot stand and say like this is absolutely the case. Like that's not that's not what this is about, but I mean, this is how Zelda theorists work, right? I mean, <laughs> you got to you got to play in the space and this is what I came up with. And I like it. I like interpreting the game this way. I like the idea of the Hyrule Civil War and the post-war world that you are born into having these details. Like I, I don't know. I think it 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 adds to the experience in my in my brain. It's the prologue. It's the prologue of Ocarina of Time that they never wrote in. That's right. And maybe they did write it in, and then somebody else wrote it out and was like, no, 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 we're not doing all that. Come on, man. Like, it, like we're going to mess with some people. They're going to think it's like, yeah. like, we're really trying to send a message here that we don't want to send. We just want gameplay. Let's just make this fun. Imagine, instead. like, a Final Fantasy VII remake scale of Ocarina <laughs> of Time where you start out as like this random Hyrule soldier and you're like fighting in the desert and you like look up and you see these purple clouds and like this little funnel goes down into a house and you just hear like roars and then it just black screens and then you're playing as Link. It's like Calamity Ganon has infected this area. That'd be sick. Like possessed the only male child of the Gerudo and that's how Ganondorf has come into existence. Yeah. It also explains why he's the only, like, actual evil per. I mean, you know, he gets raised by, you know, quote-unquote evil witches, but, like... He himself is the, the only one that's actually seen as true evil. Like, even when you... To carry the yeah, beads out. like, absolute evil. Yeah. Except maybe if Tingle was here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> he's, he's, just, he's just misguided, <laughs> that Tingle. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Tingle. Oh, man. But um, but yeah, that's that's my take on this chapter. You guys have any theories you want to put out there now that we've gone through all but the last chapter of the game? How about them exploding rock gorons, though? <laughs> that's, 
Um, no, I guess I don't really have any super overarching theme ideas here. I have a good, I have a really nice, uh, like, final touch, you know, to the game now that we, we've gotten this far. And, you know, honestly, I'd like to see a mod where you can beat the final boss, Ganon, you know, one day, or just any boss, really, with... The all-knowing, all-powerful, all-visible spell. I knew it. Din's Fire. You know, Din's Fire hasn't really been around in most of the other games. You know, it's fine. And that's all, folks. So, Cameron, I wanted to ask you, what, what's your uh, Creature of the Week this week? Yeah, we missed that last time. Oh, I get Creatures of the Week. I don't think you had one for the Shadow Temple. He didn't, and that's why I wanted to ask now. Well, if I would have picked one for the Shadow Temple, it probably would have been the in- Invisible Floor Masters. Alright. I could see that. For this one, it's probably the Iron Knuckle. I've always liked the Iron Knuckles. Iron Knuckles are legit. Yeah. And since we fight three of them, I wouldn't even call it like a mini-boss, because you fight it so much. So my creature of the week is Iron Knuckle. <laughs> my favorite enemy to fight in this game, honestly. And I thought they were like one of they were one of my favorite enemies to fight in Wind Waker too. Even though we're not playing that game, yeah. I've always liked the different iterations of Iron Knuckles and Dark Nuts. Yeah, the dark. It's funny because the Dark Nuts in in Wind Waker kind of are the um, what do you call it? the floating dog things? Right, the Anubis. They're like Anubis is in armor. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, they're like those weird guard dog things that protect the bad areas in the game, but they're in armor. They're super swole Anubises, but that's what they look like. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. It is quite hilarious. Alright. Well I think that I think that's gonna be the end of our episode then. Um so yeah, thank you all for listening. I know this is the the longest one we've recorded. Um but yeah, if you if you have any theories you'd like to float our way, um we would be happy to to read them. I mean, our next episode is going to be Ganon's Castle and finishing this game, the grand finale. So so this is the time, folks. I mean, this is the perfect place for us to to get some to get some uh some mail <laughs> about it so you can email at us at a for no b for yes at gmail.com there'll be a link in the description um also you can reach out to us on any of our social medias uh they're all again will be linked in the description so yeah we hope to hear from you and uh, we hope you've been enjoying the show so far y'all have a good day night whatever you're experiencing right now see y'all next week did you get all that Our patch kid break. <laughs>